What's up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horton. This is, this is the NWA podcast celebrating the past, present, future, history, legacy, and tradition of the greatest pro wrestling entity of all time, the National Wrestling Alliance. And I am just but one of your hosts when you come in on the NWA. This is the NWA Weekly, which is what this is, where we recap everything that happened in wrestling and especially the NWA this past week. I am joined by the good doctor, Rob Stinson. Check one, two. My mic sounds so nice. He got a new mic, everybody. So he's, he's showing off now. And of course, the lovely and talented Hans Will Daily. Hello, Hans Will. Hello, everyone. All you beautiful people and all the other, even, even the non-beautiful people. All are welcome yeah, we to listen to NWA. It's true. Well, fellas, it's been a busy week. We were just talking about how busy it's been. We haven't been able to keep up with everything. It's uh, The NWA has been full blast with content. It went from going to like, how are we going to make up a show a couple of times a week on NWA to now it's hard to watch everything that they put out because you got to dedicate at least an hour a day to NWA content because they got something for you. Uh, so how are you guys feeling overall this week? Feel good? Feel good, man. I mean, you know, you kind of summed it up. It's, it's, it's a lot of content. Um, and, it, and it's crazy, you know, to think that we're getting all this content. None of it is professional wrestling. And that's not a knock on the content. I love all the content we're getting, but it's just crazy, you know. Uh, well, it was not, just for the record. But uh, no, I mean, like, you know, I, it almost it feels like, you know, back when I was trying to follow WWE and all their stuff, and it was just like so much, you know, content every week between SmackDown, NXT, you know, all the other, you know, peripheral stuff they were doing. And um, so, you know, it's just, it, it is a lot and it's, it's great. Um, I really like, so one thing I do like about it is a lot of the content, you know, you can listen to it. Um, Eli Drake, Girl Power, inside the NWA. So you're not really restricted to have to watching it. Um, and so that was really the primary way this week that I consumed a lot of that content is I just kind of put it, put on a browser window on YouTube and let it play while I was working or something like that. And, you know, I can listen to it a couple of times and, and pick out stuff, but you know, so don't get me wrong. I love the content. I hope that when we get wrestling content that, um, you know, we still get this kind of content because I think it's really valuable. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, as you said, I didn't get to consume all of it um, and definitely not, you know, at, at a really analytical level, but um, definitely some good stuff this week and a lot of good, good, uh, cool talking points. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's funny. You, oh, go ahead, Rob. I'm go sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's funny you say that because yeah, one thing that as we started to build up this YouTube channel, uh, I was kind of slacking because I, I kind of have been the one putting out on the, uh, podcast feed but i was kind of slacking a little bit getting it out there uh a little bit later but i've gotten so much feedback once we started putting it out of the podcast feed for like people like oh thanks for all this content or we'll see posts about people enjoying that there's so much coming out of the podcast feed um it's hard like with youtube it feels like there's more of a uh visual uh assessment you can make of like what's happening and uh, or at least like it's right in your face all the time like who's watching how many you know all of that stuff but it's like it's easy to like forget that there's like the podcast feed that a lot of people are taking it in through the podcast and by far it's our strongest point for this podcast for sure 
And so you realize that once you start putting stuff out there, there were a lot of people just taking it in through the podcast. And it's weird that I'm relearning that because that's actually me. Like I absolutely consume more podcasts than I do videos on YouTube. Because you got to sit down and focus in on a YouTube video. So it's good to have something to listen to. Right. Yeah. When, back when I first started listening to this is the NBA podcast, I wasn't even aware that there was a YouTube channel. I would listen to it. I would download the podcast through Spotify or one of the other platforms and I would take it to the gym in the morning. I'd get sweaty to Gary. Yeah. Hashtag. And, uh, like uh, you know, get, get, now I'm getting, you know, now I want that gravy cake. Yeah. But it's a, uh, it's one of those things where like, so I, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I, I try to put it on. I can't always have something on in the background and, the work that I do, but uh, it's like I, I, I kind of feel bad because I think more content or content overload is better than content deprivation. Deprivation, you know, I think that's the right word. But uh, uh, but uh, I feel like everything I've listened to is important. So it's like, man, you talking about fear of missing out is big time right now because I have not. I really, really have wanted to sit down and listen to the Girl Power episode this week. I've not had a chance to with. I've had my daughter all weekend. We had some stuff going on. I had a, something to be at yesterday, and um, I planned on doing it today, but a couple things came up. and uh, So I'm going to listen to it, but I'm not going to be able to speak with any kind of authority or intelligence on uh, the Girl Power episode. But I did listen to the Eli Drake episode. Man, it was good. It was good. I've been very critical of Eli Drake, and I was very, very, very uh, uh, pleasantly surprised by his discussion with Brian Coleman and some of, uh, some of the little uh, – or the responses in the rabbit trails that we, he went on during his question and answer session that we'll get into later, I think. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just one of those things like, gosh, I don't want to do the NWA wrong. I feel like I, uh, everything they're putting out is worth listening to. It's not, it, there's nothing there that's trivial. So, you know, the, the good thing is that, uh, that a lot of people are listening in and we're able to kind of get on and pit and, and, uh, and kind of see through, through Twitter and, and Instagram and stuff like that, some of the things that's happening and, and, and uh, people are able to cue us in on, hey, you need to listen to this part, you know, this part in uh, the, uh, in the uh, inside the NWA or whatever, you know, and it's just a lot of stuff, man. It's a lot of stuff to digest. Well, stop me if I'm wrong here because I just discovered this, like literally as you were saying this, I got curious about something because I recalled seeing a tweet from Eli Drake saying something about podcast and, uh, so I had not looked at this before, but I just looked right now. I searched for Eli Drake, and there is literally – if this was announced, I don't remember it, so you got to tell me maybe I'm just crazy or missed it. But there is a Cardi Land podcast feed. And yes. so I did not know that. So I, I'm so, probably just out of the so, loop, uh, but it's got every episode in podcast form. Right. Well, well the way you hear that is Joe Galley mentions it very briefly in the little – in the little uh, the intro, he'll say, and for our Patreons, we've got the exclusive uh, Carnyland podcast. And, uh, and I've not yet gone there, but yes, they, they, he said it, I've heard it once or twice. And, uh, and, uh, and evidently everything that they're doing is going in, in podcast form. So yeah, another um, reason why you guys should be joining Patreon. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it looks like it's all on Spotify, like the full stuff, even, you know, Outside of Patreon, I know they released it early. Oh, yeah, that's girl power right there. That's a. Uh, oh, sorry, Will. I know I they released it early on. Uh, released it early on Patreon, like a lot of the audio versions, which is cool. But I mean, it looks like you know, it's, it's all free. It's not even Patreon. Spotify. So. 
yeah so i mean all the all the what's causing all this eli drake girl power inside the nwa all that's on here so yeah good good find gary well hell we're breaking we're breaking the real news here guys you can listen to this on your podcast you don't have to sit out in front of your computer you can just listen to it uh this changes everything it really does. I probably would have heard all of this by now, uh, for sure, had I known that. Because I'd be yeah, I mean, throwing I, all podcasts. I, know, I know, uh, you know, things are crazy with with work and working from home and stuff. But I actually a couple weeks ago started going back to the office, which is about a thirty minute commute uh, every day, twice. And so that's where I consume a lot of content. So now that I know that, man, I, I, I know what I'm going to be listening to on, on my commute. So that's great. Yeah, I was supposed to go back to the office this coming week, and they pushed it back. So now it's not until July sometime. So anyway, just thought I'd share that. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to find your pants. I know. Eventually. Uh, so the good oh, news no. is, you, go ahead. Go ahead, Rob. I was like, you made a Taco Bell run today. What, what do you mean? What'd you What'd you do about your pants? I, mean, I have to get out of the car, so nobody's like looking. You ever been to my... a Taco Bell, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> they don't have oh. that sign that says pants are required yeah they don't need Good it point. they know their audience sometimes depending kind of- on how much taco bell you you're apt to consume pants are probably better left at home anyway um <laughs> so what i was gonna say is good news is that we made a new friend online uh chris flackett is his name and he writes for a publication called the uh sports obsessive so we're going to put him over right now and announce that that's a thing. I think we've retweeted it from the NWA account and our personal accounts probably. He's out there. He does a weekly roundup every week at the Sports Obsessive. We might have mentioned that. Will, I feel like you mentioned it on one of the shows or something. But uh, yeah. uh, thanks to him, uh, we've got everything all prepared. I ain't got to throw it together, all these notes and stuff. We can just run down the headlines here cover each show hit his bullet points and that's what we're going to do on this week's episode of this is the nwa weekly if that's all good with you guys all right let's go for it all right so i'm going to get started and i actually i I know that we kind of did this on tuesday so you guys may not be interested in this but i've been doing anyway so screw you guys uh we're going to start with what's causing all this for monday uh because i really enjoyed this episode of it anyway and i think we kind of covered it but it was without notes really i don't think i had any like stuff written down main stuff so i kind of wanted to get some thoughts so like what other people caught on this so i was gonna run down here uh some of the things uh chris mentions that this is quickly becoming one of his favorite nwa shows of the week uh all this is a great host warm charismatic and accommodating see i would have never written that he also has had great guests for the last couple of weeks big thumbs up he says so props to you nick Aldis accommodating uh so i guess what i'll do is i'll just run down these bullet points to stop me if you, you you're interested he says uh nick and james have oh this was with cowboy james storm i can't remember if i said that nick and james have known each other since 2009 james was one of the first people to ask nick on the road doing house shows if he needed somebody to ride with how sweet it's very nice uh they talk a little bit about matt morgan uh eric young calling matt morgan angry man Matt Morgan seems like a very scary, angry person. By the way, he, this, but he's like a yeah, you know he's like a mayor in Florida. I was about to say I think he's like a mayor or something now. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> cool to have him as your mayor. Yeah, but is he like six eleven or something 
insane. They talk a little bit about beer money. I'm skipping through these things. Just Nick believes the Spike TV era of TNA doesn't get enough respect, and he feels like it had a hell of a roster. James used to get frustrated by how many people would say TNA won't even last another week. He felt people wanted an alternative, but wouldn't give it a chance. Uh, Nick said he had a frosty relationship with David LaGreca and busted open for a while because he said before an interview that he didn't want to discuss the state of TNA. And their first question was, you said you didn't want to talk about the state of NWA or TNA. Um, I thought that was interesting. That's it. Like David LaGreca has obviously uh, been on the show, and he seems like such a nice guy. But that seems like a real uh, stealthy, sleazy, can I say, uh, move. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, he is a good guy. I, I, I uh, enjoyed your interview with him. But, I mean, he's still a journalist. That's his day job. You know what I mean? Like, he's a wrestling fan. But, you know, there's things people want to know. He's not going to not ask the questions, right? Right, right. I have seen these uh, complaints um, of going through these. I remember us talking about some of this stuff. So if you want, I think it was on, was it our Tuesday show? We talked a little bit about this, uh, the live show, uh, just about the pizza incident, that sort of thing with uh, Nick Aldis. But uh, the talk about TNA, I've seen online uh, just in, in my feed a little bit about complaints about dimensions of TNA in in the NWA content here lately, because as we're going to get to like Eli Drake, uh, even last week was talking about TNA a good bit. And Nick Aldis has talked about TNA. Does that bother you guys? How do you feel about uh, impact being brought up a lot in what's causing Aldis and the Eli Drake show and all of that stuff? Uh, no, it does. I mean, it bothers me more that, that the comment would be made that Tessa Blanchard is the best female wrestler. Uh, I don't think that – I don't blame or fault Nick Aldis or, or Eli Drake for, for talking about Impact because, I mean, let's be honest. Impact put those guys on the map. I mean, they're, they're, we wouldn't be sitting here with uh, living through one of the greatest world championship title reigns in history if it weren't for Impact. And, uh, and it, it does no good for them to pretend like, like we would do in the 80s, like the other – history doesn't exist or that the other promotions don't exist. And the one thing that I like about NWA is like, they don't, they don't, <coughs> excuse me. They're very cross promotional. They don't hesitate or shy away from, from regarding and giving props to, uh, to other promotions. Even if it's the WWE, they don't hesitate for doing that. So I'm not miffed by that. I, I think, you know, uh, Eli had a, a pretty interesting story. And let's, let's to give Eli credit, I know we're going to get to this later. It's not like Eli Drake was just talking about impact. That came up during his question and answer session, and the fan asked him about to, 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 to string the path from impact to the NWA. And that's what led him to his diatribe, which was very lengthy and very insightful, too. But uh, in, in the midst of that, the only rub I got was when he said that. Uh, Tessa Blanchard was the greatest women's wrestler, and I just disagree with that. I think she, I, I have nothing against Tessa, but I, for me, like Allison Kay does not get enough credibility, man. She is someone that I think is like echelons. I think she's she's eons above Tessa Blanchard, man. And uh, uh, so, anyway, that's just my bit. But no, it does not offend me. I think I think one of the very rich and vibrant things about the NWA is the fact that they weave in. Um, the other promotions and they don't they're they're not going to insult the fans I mean, we're all smart too we know what's going on out there and, and there's nothing wrong with them 
pointing to that. A lot of these guys have history because of impact. Impact, in fact, I consider, you know, we said this in a previous show, impact is one of the, you know, the cousins of the NWA. There's a, there's a, there's a common wellspring, just like AEW and Ring of Honor. They're all sort of related uh, organically uh, in a way that WWE isn't. So, uh, no, it doesn't really miff me uh, so much. I think for me, like, I mean, I go back and forth on it. So I really enjoy uh, a lot of Nick and James's stories about a TNA because I like to hear about guys' history. And, you, you know, you're right. You can't disconnect that from, from previous promotions that they've worked for. So I like hearing that. I like hearing about the journey, you know, wh- how they've gotten to where they are now. And that's, that's obviously a big part of the story. I'm with you, Robin. And I would even um, broaden it a little bit just to say that, you know, and I think it's more about like um, not, not just acknowledging, but talking about like current, landscape i mean if you're involved with the promotion i do think there is a um a responsibility there to, to put over your company the current product and so i think i'm i'm the same way i mean when when the conversation crossed from oh this is how it was when i was there this was my experience there here's some stories um even if you're burying guys because you had beef with them or something like that i don't even mind that but when you get to fast forward to 2020 and you're, you know, putting over another promotion's product, you know, and I can see how it, that's just giving credit where credit is due or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was the one part that just felt weird to me. I mean, why, why would you not, uh, you know, always put over your own women's division? Why, why are you with a company that, um, you know, you, you think, you know what I mean? So it just didn't sit well in that regard with me for that reason. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I like, I like the historical stories. I like, um, you know, getting context for how they've become who they are now. Um, but when we're talking about current, you know, talent and current, um, promotion, the, the state of the promotion, I, I would just love for it to just by default be, we're going to put the NWA over because that's who we work for and that's who we love, you know? Yeah. I kind of felt like, like I, I think myself, like I thought that especially during the Nick Aldis and James Storm, I expected it to come up. I guess I should have really thought that even with Crimson and uh, Bram slash Tom Latimer. All those guys are former TNA competitors. So I imagine even I haven't, honestly, like as we're recording this, the Doug Williams episode came out today and I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. But I assume that TNA will also come up in that one. I mean, I guess that's just par for the course that you would – you had mentioned these things uh, for that. I'm with you. I was I was going to save it for like a buried angle later in the thing. But yeah, by far, my least favorite part so far has been on the Eli Drake show with uh, Tessa Blanchard. But I guess I'll rant more on that a little bit later uh, as we get to it. Let's remember, guys, too. Let's remember that it, as far as like the rebranding goes, we're relatively young. In, in, in the, I mean, the NWA, it's kind of an oxymoron because the NWA is the it is the granddaddy of them all. It's the source. I mean, it's the one ring to rule them all. Nick Aldis, as far as I'm concerned, Nick Aldis is the champion of the of the Ring of Honor and Impact, uh, you know, uh, territories. He is their world's champion. He's the real world's champion, and they're they're beholden to him. But it's like you know, when we when we think of like the rebranding, we've only got a couple of years of that, and so inevitably, it's kind of like a, a rock and roll band when they put their when they put their first record out. They're only going to play off that first album, and then, and then, uh, you know, as as they put more 
albums out, then their set lists become longer and more varied and stuff. But right now, if the NWA just stuck to the set list, you really got about a three-year period uh, from, you know, 10 pounds of gold to uh, the now the third season of power to really delve into. And so it's almost by necessity you're going to see a lot of reliance upon. I mean, if, if we're having this conversation in, in five years from now, maybe impact's not – Maybe they're talking about it as much, but right now, that's the material. That's the context that they're working off of. And again, like we said earlier, there's a common wellspring. They're related. You know, there's an organic uh, from Billy uh, Corgan's days with with that promotion up to all of these guys who who uh, were in the trenches together, cut their teeth together, who became big names together. There, we're going to hear a lot of that more. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, it's just going to happen out of necessity. I'm going to play devil's advocate with myself here because that's oh. just that's what kind of podcast we are. So, uh, you know, one of the if things you mean that we, you playing with yourself, know that it's not <laughs> what kind of podcast we are. That's just, my other podcast. Uh, don't, I don't promote it on this podcast. Hashtag anyway. Piper's notes. <laughs> what is Gary? <laughs> oh, no. Don't do that to me, doc. Don't do that to me. I feel terrible. <laughs> that's uh, why. That's is why this not NWA after dark? After dark? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. I had my schedule mixed. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I, so I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play devil's advocate with, with all of us and myself included because one of the things that we put over a lot on this show is the authenticity of the NWA. And you know, as I'm listening to us talk again, myself included, so I, I'm I'm saying this to all of us. You know, I'm asking myself, okay, I, I get what we're saying about. Uh, mainly what I, what I was saying about talking about history, but not talking about current product. And I guess my my pushback on on my own way of thinking is, okay, well, if we love it being so authentic, you know, you kind of you can't have your cake and eat it too. I mean, it's either you know, do you put a limit on that authenticity and tell the guys like, hey, go be yourself, go talk about what you want to talk about and what what you're passionate about. Oh, but don't do this, 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 and this, and don't say this, this, this. Like, you know what I mean? Where you're kind of like strangleholding that authenticity that we love so much. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess kind of as I'm thinking about it in that regard, like, you know, it is what it is. I, I'd love to, 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 you know, see things be the way that I was saying. But again, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna hone in on that authenticity, it's kind of part of the territory. I was thinking, uh, you know, I think in one of the conversations I had with someone about that very specific thing about bringing up TNA and, and that sort of stuff. I mean, I think I said something very similar that, you know, part of it could be too. these guys, you know, be, you know, they get to talk about whatever they want to talk about. So it's, it's, you know, if they want to talk about TNA, I mean, that's where the conversation, like I said, would probably naturally go anyway. And maybe they, you know, there was that moment on uh, one of the power episodes where, uh, who was it? It was like Kingston or somebody mentioned Ring of Honor or something. He was like, we're not supposed to say this, but Ring of Honor, you know, whatever. You know? And so, uh, but I think, I think the old school mentality or, I, you know, I don't even want to say old school because it is obviously a concern for some people now still. So I don't want to discount that, uh, that there is this idea that you're giving free advertisement to another promotion uh, when you talk about them. And I, I suppose, especially in the sense that, your bring it up their top contender as your favorite female superstar, you know, and stuff like that. So it's like, I, I, I can see the point there, you know, in, in that way. Um, I don't think that that was the intention. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that's what like Eli Drake's going for, but I, I can just see why some people would be bothered by it. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that totally makes sense. Some things that Eli Drake says just mystifies me. Like, because he's obviously, and again, I've been very critical of him, but uh, listening to this, he's obviously very intelligent. This is not just some, you know, I know he likes to play the, the party guy, Kiffrey, but this is a guy who's informed. He reads, he studies music, he's, he's cultured. Uh, and to me, to say to the comedy made about Tessa was just, a, it, it seemed, struck me as like very, uh, I don't know, soft. It was very, uninformed i was like what i was like in this whole landscape of amazing women talent many of them in our promotion and one of them being allison k you're gonna say that's the one but you know it's not that you know i mean there he should not he shouldn't ignore especially if you if, if the nwa is going to put uh a, a major ring of honor talent in it in, in the headline match against your world champion you can't then take issue with the fact that we're bringing up other promotions that we do that as a rule you know uh, but it, it's not the, the bringing up of the promotion it's the way that you put this particular person over in a way that's like i just don't see it man i mean i'm i just don't see it i, I and no no shade on tessa tessa is great i love her she is a, a great second generation superstar she's highly talented i just don't feel this i'm not as impressed with her work as i am with allison k's work yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, it's a difference of opinion. I mean, Eli Drake can have whatever opinion he wants. I mean, when it comes to the, I guess, the insecurity of, okay, you know, uh, if if Eli is going to put over Tessa Blanchard, and then I'm going to go watch her, uh, like, I'm not going to stop watching the NWA. You know what I mean? So I guess what's the big fear there? Like, where does that come from? And, you know, before we started recording, we were kind of talking about that, just that, the indie mentality and they don't really play well with, with each other. And it's kind of out of that fear and insecurity of, uh, you know, the possessiveness and things like that. And that's one of the things that I actually hate about pro wrestling in 2020 is that exclusivity and the, the fear of cross promoting and things like that. I mean, that's why I'm an NWA fan because they don't have those same restrictions and it's obvious during, during this era of, of Carnyland content uh, programming um, that they're not, they're not scared. And so for me, like it gives this vibe of like, Hey, go talk about whoever you want to, because at the end of the day, we're going to be the NWA. And if we're your cup of tea, then we're going to be your favorite. And if we're not, then go watch the other stuff. You know what I mean? It's this very like kind of confident security of we're going to be ourselves and we're not threatened. If you go talk about impact, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, the goal is, is that the NWA is going to own all of it anyway. So <laughs> uh, yeah. One thing I did want to bring up about the uh, what's causing all this, because uh, uh, while while we're just still here real quick, is I, I think we forgot to mention this before. And again, a lot of this is on our Tuesday episode. If you guys want to check that out, we did discuss this even more in depth. But I did love the story, and I had forgotten about it until I was rereading this, that uh, James Storm told the story about how he came back and he was in a match. I want to say it was like with Samoa Joe or something like that. And they had re-signed him and they had promised him all these things. But then he got to the angle where – uh, he received a concussion and then he was supposed to sit out for four months or whatever. And then like, he just didn't hear anything. And so then he was like calling back. It's like, all right, so what are we doing? They're like, well, you're concussed. And he's like, what? No, <laughs> like, no, I'm not. like, are you sure? Did you get like cleared by a doctor? <laughs> like, he's like, that you guys wrote that. <laughs> and I just thought, what is, what is that? That is an insane story. And uh, it just feels like some of the stuff you hear about the wrestling business and that, that's a, a deserving Cardi Land story if I've ever heard one. Who says K Fabe's dead? 
yeah, and uh, they did touch a little bit on that Billy Corgan relationship, uh, which I, I like too. That that you know, because they they kind of hit it at at that uh, pop of event that James Storm and Billy Corgan had this weird relationship, and they've always kind of kept that going. But uh, it was more, it was kind of good to get some insight that James Storm was saying that it was mostly just that he didn't know Billy Corgan and he didn't know who was running things. He didn't know who was in charge and what was happening at impact. So he was just kind of frustrated with everybody on top there. And uh, he didn't realize until NWA, like how much knowledge Billy Corgan actually has about the wrestling business and uh, that he is somebody you can count on to do what's right in the business. So that was just kind of a cool thing to hear. I thought Um, we could move on here. If you got, unless you had something to add, Rob. No, I was just going to say that we've always said that for, for Billy Corgan, the NWA is a passion project. He does it because he loves it, and, uh, and he doesn't do anything half-heartedly, you know, from his music to uh, to the NWA to even his question-and-answer <laughs> live streams, man. He goes to – he goes all the way, and uh, so, yeah. Uh, we'll skip over the uh, Tim Storm and Mama Storm thing, but if you guys haven't seen that, I can highly recommend that you go see that – Damn Tim Storm, as if anybody's ever said that in their entire lives. I just did. Uh, Tim Storm caught me right in the feels with that whole segment, and it was beautiful, and you should see it. We talked way in depth about that and a ton of other things on last Tuesday's live show, uh, which, by the way, featured Thunder Rosa. So if you haven't seen it, what what are you doing with your life? Because that's good quality content. you got to subscribe. Subscribe to this channel. I don't remember what side it's on anymore. I think it's this one because I think I'm – Mirror. but anyway you got to hit that subscribe button if you're not already and give us a like anyway and, uh, and uh, if i'm not mistaken this is the nwa patreon members get uh get the uh the weekly recap a day in advance right gary yeah that's uh yeah good luck finding the if you can find the link to that go ahead and sign up I, i'll give you my paypal at the end of the show we still tell these guys about it uh what yeah so we'll move on to uh on Wednesday, we got Inside the NWA. That was June the 3rd, and that was uh, with Joe Galley interviewing Tim Storm. A lot of Tim Storm this week, just so much Storm. Just uh, some James Storm, some Tim Storm doubled up on you. Just just a big, big old Storm Fest. Okay. Anyway. It's like they knew we needed it. Like It's like they just knew in the, in the current climate of the world, we literally just needed to see Tim Storm talking to Mama Storm. And we just needed to hear Tim Storm talk. Like, it felt like, you know, I mean, it felt like dad coming to make us all feel better. Like, it was just, it was, it, it was perfect, perfect timing. That's a, that's a really good point, man. It's, it's, he, he makes everybody feel better. He's like genuinely the best guy in the world. Even Chris Flackett in this review here, his first bullet point is that I genuinely think Tim Storm is perhaps the nicest man in wrestling. The smile he had on his face just for talking with Joe Galley, no offense, Joe, was unreal. And so, <laughs> all right, poor Joe. I, I feel like he gets picked on a lot. Uh, Tim says that everything he says about Mama Storm is true. He is genuinely Mama Storm's baby boy because he is her youngest. He says his mama is happiest when Tim is with her, so quarantine was hard because Tim intentionally distanced himself. He wouldn't know what he would do if Mama Storm got ill. Uh, he says also that Tim Storm's a physical person, a hugger, so it's been hard for him. Uh, 
His mama is probably the only person less tech savvy than him. So she doesn't have FaceTime. They were able to have a chat online that morning though. So uh, that's, that's tough stuff. Uh, Tim's goal since working for the NWA has been to do whatever is within his power to get the company as close to Providence it had, as close to the Providence it had when he enjoyed watching it back in the day. I believe that too. I believe Tim Storch is generally that good of a guy. He's just like a company man. Uh, he believes NWA is further ahead on schedule now than he thought that they would be or that they thought they would be at this point. Uh, I think Lagat has even said that to us. I, I believe one of the times I've talked with him, I was like, all right, you have the 20 year plan. Where are you? And he was just like, actually, surprisingly, we're what we thought would be like year six or something. So this is, this is pretty good. Uh, so it's good to know that they're uh, kicking it along. Uh, Tim says he knows they've got a long way to go to get back to the full Providence, but uh, they've done a lot of good work so far. Uh, and uh, so you get some stories from Tim's story. He talks about uh, being invited to wrestle in Japan as the NWA heavyweight champion, and that was excited for him because Japan's like mecca for wrestlers, and uh, he wrestled a 400-pound sumo wrestler and MMA fighter. It was a fantastic experience. Uh, he thought he would get booed in Japan as a gaijin, but the NWA title is so respected in Japan that the crowd was chanting NWA, NWA for his entrance. That's kind of cool, right? Rob, Rob, I feel like that's a, that's a story that would just make you tingly. It is. And this, this, uh, I'm tingling right now, man. And, uh, <laughs> it, uh, this kind of, uh, just alluding back to a, a point we made in a prior show, it might've been, I don't might maybe in uh, the live recap last week or before, but we were talking about how, uh, or maybe it was when Aldous was on here, but we were talking about how the uh, how babyface and heel is not is not a preoccupation with the NWA and something along the facts of like you know Aldous is obviously trying to mirror heel, but they won't let him because you know you would think Marty Skrull would come in and just be over, but. And Gary, you were there at the tapings, man. Our audience would not allow that to take place, man. That audience was NWA, NWA. I mean, there were certainly Marty Squirrel fans there. Don't don't get me wrong, but it was overwhelmingly. Unless unless I'm just being biased here, Gary. I felt like the the, the something about having that belt, man, and the, and the, the uh, loyalty to the company and just the reverence for the brand and the, and that those three letters, man. It's like trumps everything. Yeah, no, I mean, I 100% agree with you. There are obviously people that show up to these events. This happened at Crockett Cup as well that are coming because they are fans of Ring of Honor. Um, now, so you could attribute some of the stuff in power. Nobody knew beforehand when they bought those tickets that, like, Marty Skrull was going to show up. That was a huge surprise on the pay-per-view right before all of that happened. But, well, I, no, I guess that the next tapings were the time that, uh, that Skrull showed up and actually wrestled and stuff. So people... Right, but they had already shown, they had already sold the tickets, though. I think it yeah. were already sold out by that time, right? Yeah, so that may be the, true. The scroll thing would kind of came up after everybody had bought tickets because they sold out like, gosh, man, super quick. Well, it's funny, you know, I'm doing the uh, uh, the NWA Rewind right now with special guests. We just dropped a new one uh, yesterday, but anyway, for episode five. But you watch that, and like in episode five, it's that period of time which is in the second night of tapings for NWA power uh, the first time they did them. And 
it's just crazy to me because you look at it, even in that studio setting, uh, there's, there's the one side that's uh, tapered off or whatever. They've got the big NWA banner going down over the chairs because they didn't have enough seats filled at the time. So uh, one of the things you get at the live tapings is David Marquez, ever the producer and director of everything, and he's used to this from uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. He's there just, like, moving people around constantly, like, no spaces, no spaces. Like, come on, I need you to scoot in, scoot in, scoot in. You guys, come over here, sit down. We got one person, move to this seat. You know, he's always, like, trying to make it as look as best as possible for television, if he can. Uh, which now is like not a problem when you go to those power tapings. But at that point, they had a whole side just with that NWA thing. But I remember thinking like after that, that week of tapings, and especially as they started airing, I was like, they're never going to use that thing again. I just feel it. They're never going to have to have it. And uh, they haven't since. But uh, anyway, just thought that was uh, kind of interesting looking back on those. But uh, anyway, uh Tim recalls how uh, Billy Corgan said he knew he wanted Joe Galley to be the voice and face of the NWA as soon as he saw him for the first time. Oh, that was interesting. Good job, Joe. You made an impression. Um, uh, I did want to mention Tim does tell the story in this one about uh, how he was in Japan or he got the offer uh, to go to Japan and drop the title on a Friday and he could maybe regain it on a Sunday. Uh, that was the route. And we've seen that happen in Japan with like Harley Race and Giant Baba, I think, in our NWA Discord. You guys should subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, in that, we were having a conversation about this not too long ago, but uh, he said that, you know, they offered this, but it was around the time that uh, the new ownership had taken over with Legata and Corgan, and he didn't want to let those guys down. So he declined it. They were going to pay him like 10 grand for a weekend just to do that. And uh, he did not make that decision on his own. Now, that. That is integrity. Like, who's going to do that? I'm not, I, I'd like to think that I'm a good enough dude to do that, but I don't know, man. I might have been like, don't ever know. I'm a bad <laughs> man. I'm like, dude, I will, I will do it for eight grand. <laughs> they're, they're like, we want to pay you to drop the title, and we're going to pay you. And I'm like, $700. They're like, 10 grand. And I'm like, wait, wait, no. <laughs> Uh, anyway. Yeah, exactly. I'm a dad, man. I, I would. Tim's so good, though. You know, he. Uh, uh, I mean, it's tempting. I, I, I'd, I'd be interested now because, uh, you know, historically, uh, there are escrows that are put down for when you win the belt. You know, especially if you keep it in your possession for something. You know, this is not like a some figures ink and no knock on that. Those are nice uh, replicas and all that, but this is not a toy. This is a a, a high piece of of custom made jewelry you know, that's embossed with gemstones and, and it's, it, it's a, it's a heavy belt. If you've ever held it, it's really, I know Gary, you probably held it before. It's a heavy, really, it's probably more than 10 pounds. And, uh, I don't know how the, how it works today, but historically you put down a deposit on that. You're going to get the belt and you'll get your money back, but you got to put down however many thousands of grand, you know, 25,000 for big gold. And then when you, uh, when you surrender the belt, you got your deposit back. And uh, so I don't know if they do that today, or if it's impossible, or 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 if you just take that risk. I'd be interested to find out uh, if he even had the ability to drop it without the approval of the uh, manager. So uh, you know, because we know that just from Hornbaker's book and all that, that a lot of times those championship title changes decisions were made in boardrooms, and uh, and maybe there there's something in there where they're like, hey, you know, 
if you're going out, you're traveling, representing the company, and you're doing this for a weekend for a little short house show or something like that, a little short stint, that's okay, but the, you've got to bring the belt back, <laughs> you know. So it'd be interesting to find out how that actually works. Cause I, I, I heard that too. And I was like, is that even, could he have done that? Like contractually, would he have been allowed to? Mm, I, I would have to imagine that they're just wanting it for the, uh, the, you know, the, the credit over there. Uh, it would definitely not have been something that probably would have shown up on the record books. That's where it gets tricky though. Right. Because there's so many title changes that have happened that have come into the record books later on and that people want to, did did it just look to you like? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Maya. Here, I, I didn't switch the to, to, I didn't switch the view fast I, uh, enough, so it was probably looking I'm at me, little, so people couldn't see. Oh, it's Petra. Yeah, my little one just ran in here, so I got distracted. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like, and I I hear you, but it's like when those things have happened, like we were talking about in your Marty Bell uh, uh, podcast interview, uh, you talked about the the switch that happened in Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah, and that was. Jack Viato. Yes. And that caused problems, you know. So I, I, I would think that, you know, I'm not sure that David Lagana or William Patrick Horton would be comfortable even when we're doing it just for a, just for a photo op, you know. Yeah. I actually uh, brought that so, one up. I, well, it was, it was with Lagana when he was here on our show, on the live show. But, yeah, I mentioned that. That, yeah. that would be a cool one to revisit sometime for the NWA where it was. Uh, I think, I think, Gary, I think that in my – in my archive somewhere, I think I have that match. Oh, really? Nice. I think I do. I've got, I've got uh, a very extensive collection of Ric Flair uh, house shows and stuff like that of about 400 discs. They're all, you know, and I think I have it. So I have to find and see if we can't maybe do a, a cast screening of it or something like that. That would be awesome. I mean, that that guy has the title for like a barely a day or like a weekend or something, and uh, he. Uh, and it's just because for those who don't know, I mean, basically Ric Flair was so scared for his life from that crowd that he just dropped the belt to this dude. <laughs> and it was just like, I just got to get out of here alive. And uh, for, for, for Puerto Ricans, man, this is like, this is like Cinco de Mayo for them. They, well, they Dominicans. It they, yeah, yeah, Dominicans. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. They, they regard this as a, uh, as a legitimate title change. I mean, they, yeah. they look at him as the real world champion. Well, you listen to that Marty Bell interview. I mean, she talks about it like down there that they've got like a statue for this guy and everything. Yes. This is a big deal. So that's why I think it'd be fun to revisit it. I wonder if it's something you can legitimately make part of. I mean, it is part of the NWA history, so it's fun to talk about. But uh, he's not listed as an official part of the lineage of the title. Uh, but yeah. just an interesting. And I apologize for saying Puerto Rican. I, I uh, you should be I, sorry. It, it, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> we uh, just got we just got canceled guys yep you just did it thanks all that's right what? we just do this on our own what do you mean <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> who's gonna kick us off you literally can't yeah it just happens um so uh let's see what else did you say about this tim storm interview uh the yeah, he talks a little bit about meeting uh, Aldis on the first episode of Power, but uh, he also uh, talks a little bit about how when he first heard that Billy Corgan had bought the NWA, how he just immediately, his like they asked him what his first thought was, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's a, it was a nice run. They're not going to want a 53-year-old dude from the Independence uh, being the face of the company. So that's that. 
uh, and then he gets to be in the main event of the very first NWA Power. And so uh, just a just a really cool moment for him. You can tell he's really proud of that, as he should be. Um, let's see here. Anything else? He, uh, he does. The, there's a question in there about whether or not uh, one would consider the uh, all this uh, storm feud to be one of the great feuds ever. Um, you remember him saying that? Yeah, yeah, now that you say that, yeah. So that's up for debate. He uh, he couched it in along the lines of the player steamboat uh, type thing. And uh, I don't know. I guess I'm I, – it, it's certainly been a good one. Um, I think I really enjoyed the Tim Storm, Josephus feud a little bit more. Uh, but all this, I feel like, you know, the Cody thing was big. I think we're still waiting on the big all this feud with his signature. He's had some career matches, but they've been, you know, a couple of – a series of one or two matches. And, uh, um, you know, with Storm, it's been a couple matches, you know, a couple of pay-per-views, and then the uh, power match, and a couple of other ones here and there. But we're still waiting on that signature feud that maybe the Marty Squirrel one might have turned out to be. I really think that maybe Eli Drake might be the one to do that or bring that out in him. Uh, Trevor Murdoch, to me, seems like uh, a good – Dusty Rhodes like foil to the more Ric Flair style Nick Aldis, and that that feud for me was just so epic. I mean, to me, I know a lot of people technically love the Flair Steamboat feud as uh, being a, a clinic and some of the greatest in ring work of all time, but it didn't have that Super Bowl feel like Dusty and Flair had, you know. So uh, I don't know that I felt that yet. Uh, I didn't quite feel it. Uh, don't get me wrong; it's a good feud, uh, and Tim is I love Tim Storm, but I don't I don't know that I would up there with a player steamboat yeah i mean I, I feel like that's a pretty pretty big hill to climb I, I guess is the best way to put it he it that's a tough one i don't what i do think is that there's a good chance that it goes down in history like as a, a remembered feud a highly regarded feud just for the fact that this was the feud that brought the nwa back so if like 20 years yeah. from now the nwa is you know talked about in the same conversation as any other main wrestling promotion, then, you know, this, this will be the one that was like, this is the first feud that, that brought it into the modern era. I, I think would be my guess. Yeah. Uh, also a big fan of AJ Styles, by the way, he does, he does talk about AJ Styles saying that he's a good uh, family man. And uh, let's see, what did he say? I can't remember. I lost the note, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, he talked a lot about AJ Styles and said that he is the greatest wrestler in the business over the last four or five years. If there's anybody better, he doesn't know who it is. And uh, so uh, says he's a family man and he's super talented. Uh, I just I like was... AJ Styles. I respect him, but I, I don't agree with that. <laughs> well, <laughs> Rob, go uh, ahead. Here we go. I don't agree that AJ Styles, I know he's been, he's, he's, He's won a PWI 500, but I don't think that he's close to being the greatest. I think one, I don't think his, his I don't think he's a, a, a complete guy. I don't think his mic work is that good. I think his Southern draw really throws me off, you know, not, not in a way that throws like, you uh, off. James Storm, <laughs> James Storm, James Storm's it's like, cool. it's like, I get it, man. But, but with, uh, with uh, AJ Styles, it's just like, it's got like a, uh, I don't know. It's got like an achy breaky heart cut kind of feel to it uh, <laughs> you know billy ray cyrus kind of thing and i, I just he's good I, he's certainly good and i'm you know but there there are 
I can think of five other people right now that I could rattle off that I would say are, are, are superior to him and as more well-rounded athletes. But again, this is a, a matter of opinion. And, uh, I've just never, to me, um, AJ Styles has always been like, I don't like, it's kind of like a Colt Cabana thing. I respect them, but I don't get the appeal. So it's a lot about context too, because, um, you know, as, as primarily a WWE fan for a lot of years before, uh, jumping over here to the NWA real wrestling, um, AJ Styles came in and really showed WWE fans like what good, solid, technical professional wrestling was again in the ring. Um, and so I think we looked over a lot of the, those uh, shortcomings with promos and just overall personality and things like that. Because, man, every time he got in the ring after he debuted several years ago in the Royal Rumble, it was like nothing we had seen in WWE. I mean, we had been bombarded with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns for four straight years, you know. And so AJ Styles came in and was just like, man, this is what wrestling and – to, and to be doing that at this point in his career still. So it was really a lot more about in-ring than it was the promos. I mean, I would never put AJ Styles in the top tier of any promo list, um, you know, to your point. But, I mean, as I far as – I think he's garbage, but, yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, as far as in-ring and as far as, you know, according to Tim Storm, just as a human, he's a good guy. Uh, and I think that's what Tim was talking about a little more than just, you know, I think he was looking at him as a person in the professional wrestling world. He's the top tier uh, and not like as a character, you know, to me, he always registers in my brain too, as like one of these guys who probably had to fight through a lot of adversity walking into that company that um, he would have never been signed there. First of all, if he had not made a name for himself so much as he had, and he earned every bit of that name that he made for himself then he walks into the WWE and you can tell that that's like probably one of those signings that they're just like, all right, a lot of people know who this guy is and we don't want him to do anything else. So let's just get him. And so they get him and bring him in at the Royal Rumble. And granted, he gets a good, great entrance song and like gets a good look at all that stuff for the Royal Rumble entrance and all that. But I don't know how much I ever expected out of him because Vince has this history of just like burying like people that they didn't make, you know, a la Sting. Um, so it's just like, you don't know what to expect out of AJ and just like a Daniel Bryan who like just and a Becky Lynch who like, they wanted to do something else, but there was just something about them that was so undeniable that they had to give them something like AJ Styles proved yet again. It's not just like he was a superstar indie dude. He walked into the WWE and worked his way right up to the top of the mountain there, too, and is a multi-time world champion in the WWE as well. Like, he was just so undeniable also to Vince McMahon, you know? So it was just – I give him a lot of props for that because I feel like he would have easily been one of those guys that Vince would have loved to have kept at the mid-card, you know, would have never thought much of due to size, his, his southern draw – his uh, everything working against him. He's just a good wrestler, but you know, he was just well-rounded enough that they were like, all right, screw it. This guy's too good. He's got to be on top. Well, I think it's the one time that I can really remember that WWE apparently has listened to the crowd reaction because that dude gets a pop, whether he's heel or face when his music hits in the NWA, it's, it's a big pop uh, or not NWA WWE. It's a big pop. Imagine if his music hit in the NWA, that'd be awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I'd be all for that. But, but I mean, you know, it's a rare occasion where, and you know, 
it's kind of the flip side of that where, you know, Vince, as you said, loves to bring guys in like that and kind of bury them. He's almost now taking credit for all the work AJ Styles has put in. And now, you know, AJ Styles, he's been very vocal about the fact he's going to finish his career in WWE. He, he hasn't worked this hard for this long to not, you know, retire from WWE. Um, so he's not looking to go to AEW or, or anywhere like that. Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of the thing that sucks about it is at the end of the day, and now we're going to remember AJ Styles, WWE superstar, when in reality, you know, his, his legacy was built in other promotions. Sorry, my mute was on. Uh, <laughs> it's probably best, well, but I'll repeat myself. I, I just, like, Dang it. <laughs> no, I just said, uh, Doc, did you have anything you wanted to add about AJ Styles or did you just want to suck it? Again, I, and I, I, I'm not trying to throw shade on anybody. I like AJ Styles. I thought his work uh, in TNA was outstanding. You, you know, got a I real think, nasty just, look on your face when you talk about him for some reason. The, it's like some uh, kind of Georgia rivalry. Poker face, bro. Is he a Florida he, fan uh, or something? Like, what is this? Probably. He's a bulldog. He's a bulldog. He, uh, go dog, man. But he, uh, he, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, like, it just didn't – it never jived with me, his, his look. And I always felt like, too, like, he was always – he's always and currently – he's always been in transition. Like, who is AJ Styles? He's always – you know, there's I, I, four or five different images come up. And you can say that about, like, say, a Jericho. But still, Jericho's always been Jericho. It's, you know, it's not – his his changes have been just matters of degree. But you went with, with Styles from the, the Ric Flair robe to the clean-cut hair to now he's got the mullet, the Billy Ray Cyrus mullet, you know, and <laughs> and, all, and all that. And just There's so many things about his uh, – and there's no doubt about his technical ability. I'm not one to, uh, to disagree with somebody like Tim Storm or you guys on that but for me that that's one part of it it's the most important part of it there's so many other important pieces and i think he falls short of for tim storm to you know that that's his preference i disagree with it i don't he's tim storm, aj styles he would not i would not purchase a ticket to see just him you know there are people that i would purchase a ticket for but he's not putting my butt in the seat just gonna go ahead and make a note here real quick about things to irritate rob stinson apparently <laughs> AJ Styles. All right. Uh, moving on. <laughs> the one last thing I had, unless you guys have anything, is that Tim Storm says uh, they asked him like what he would recommend for a long career in professional wrestling. And I did like this nice little piece of advice that he gave. They said, uh, you need to be professional. Look professional. In your gear and out. And choose your trainer carefully because you will be associated with them for the rest of your life. So I just thought that was uh, – Kind of an interesting, like, piece of advice from Tim Storm. And Tim Storm has that, that – he's got that gravitas. I mean, when Tim Storm speaks, his words carry authority in the way that uh, all this do. And he does. He takes this very seriously. And you could tell when he when he was on the mountaintop, he, he understood the weight of the office that he held. It's almost like an office, you know, uh, being that world champion. And, uh, and so he's absolutely right. I mean – and the people that really go down in history, the ones that are going to be talking about a century from now are those who take it seriously. Yeah, I mean, him on 10 Pounds of Gold, um, we, we talked about it even when, when Nick Aldis was on the show that night, you know, that anytime that title changes hands because it's so prestigious, it should, it should mean something. It should be big. 
and the fact that they didn't just, uh, you know, Lagana and Corgan didn't just purchase the company and then immediately, you know, put the belt on Audis or something like that. There was a buildup. There was an entire docu-series built around it with 10 pounds of gold. And Tim Storm had just as much, um, you know, effect for me at elevating that title as Nick Aldis did. And, you know, that's yeah. not at all discounting anything Aldis has done since becoming champion. He has taken it and he's elevated it even more. But the fact that, it, you know, Tim Storm was the champion, he was kind of the focal point at the beginning of 10 pounds of gold. And then when that transition happened, and then the fact that he hung around and was still a big part of it up until now, but, you know, that first episode of Power where they had the rematch and stuff like that. I mean, he was just as much an integral part of that as as Nick Aldis was, making that title feel important. There was a bit going around on social media about Ric Flair talking about who's on the Mount Rushmore wrestlers, and I, and I was thinking the other day, it's like, when it comes to the rebrand of the NWA, especially those early – you know, towards the end of 10 pounds of gold in those first couple of episodes of power, who would the big four be on there? Well, well maybe not so much the first episode of power, because by that time, Josephus had really kind of fallen into obscurity. But certainly during the 10 pounds of gold era, you talk about the big four, and it's Tim Storm, Nick Aldis, Allison Kay, and Josephus. Yeah, I, I agree. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. Um, I did forget one point that he did mention. James Storm had pitched the idea, maybe jokingly, that he should come in with the DNA test at some point and point out that uh, Tim Storm is actually his father, and he was not a fan of that oh, idea. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, now, they, now they can do it. <laughs> Storm is such a common last name in, in pro wrestling, man. It's like. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad they did play it up in that one episode of Power that like Josephus is calling for Storm and James Storm comes out. That was nice to at least yeah. acknowledge it. Uh, let's move on to the Eli Drake show. We've already hit on a little bit of this and it kind of started talking about. But there's plenty to discuss in this Eli Drake show. The first thing I'm going to bring up, though, is I actually am – I swear to God, I told my wife this earlier tonight. I'm going to take him up on this. Uh, the, the first thing that he gets into a discussion about that I really enjoyed because – I don't know. I don't feel like you get enough access, like with with uh, as far as physique and build and like diets and training that a lot of these guys go through. Now, Nick Aldis, if you haven't seen it already, has the Superstar Body Book. It's on his website. I think it's like superstarbodybook.com. Actually, just takes you right there, and you can buy that thing and get it autographed. I've got a couple of copies laying around here. Sometime I was going to do what is a giveaway at some point, but uh, anyway. Uh, so you can get his ideas, and that's great stuff. But uh, Eli goes into some of this stuff, and he gives some pretty practical things, I thought, like just uh, right off the bat, or just kind of discusses his uh, eating habits, which is, in this case, on that day, was cinnamon rolls, pretzel chips, and hummus uh, that he was just scarfing down <laughs> for the beginning of the show. But he talks about how he's already built up a fortress, and so it can take a few uh, shots from a cannon or whatever every once in a while. But uh, – he, uh, you know, he, he, the thing I'm going to take him up on though, is he talks about, he's like, look, he's like, I do this as a warm up, but some days when I don't feel like working out or don't think I have time, he's like, this is my workout. He's like, and there's no excuse anytime, anywhere. He's like, people ask me what I did on quarantine. He's like, well, I bought some equipment, but he's like, the guy I was talking to was like, well, I, I did, you know, I don't have anything. He's like, you don't, you don't need anything. This is what you do. Do a hundred pushups, a hundred sit-ups, a hundred squats and, uh, do that every day. And he's like, Commit to yourself for like a month. Just do this. And I'm going to try this because I was like immediately, 
and he he knew this because like I was like immediately like yeah that ain't happening for me I can't do that but he describes it as like no do like a hundred push-ups but you know not in a row you know just like do as many as you can at one time take a break not like a five minute break but take like a short break and start again yeah and just keep doing that until you get to a hundred and uh and then that's what you do and you do that every day get a hundred in of each of those things and then do it the next day and the next day it's like it'll hurt at first but then you'll get through it he's like and i guarantee you by the end of the month everything will have changed for you and so uh i'm, I'm interested in that so I'm, I'm like i was telling my wife today i was like you know i think Starting Monday, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can do it. I'll try to document. Now he said you need to start today, though. Remember, he said don't wait till Monday. I you, already had a you, couple of beers at that point, Rob, so that tonight. wasn't happening. It's only going to take you ten minutes, Gary. I agree, man. I I loved I love that. You know, he started out he started out kind of hinting political, and this and I kind of felt like he was talking to me. Actually, I was. Heard our, our, was. <laughs> yeah, but he. Uh, uh, and then he said, you know, he's like, shut up, stupid. I was like, oh, dude, here we go. <laughs> then he went into that very positive and uplifting and very practical piece of advice. He went on to, he, and it wasn't just like he didn't just like try to sell something. He spent a good 10 or 15 minutes laying out a program, and it's just very encouraging. And I was like, man, this is, Eli. now I like this Eli. This is Eli that I want to, I I'll tend to listen to this because I'm someone that like, I'm busy also like you guys are. I don't have, you know, I mean, when, when our, my gym's not open, I do go to the gym, but I haven't in three months, four months now, you know, and, and yeah. I'm, I'm going from the school to here and I want to stay in shape and I got to keep this up. This does not just happen. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? And he was like, uh, I was like, dude, this is, I am, I'm like so uplifted listening to this. Like I'm motivated. You know, I was like you, Gary, but I was like, I was mowing my lawn. I'd actually texted Gary and Will. I texted you guys earlier right after I listened to it and uh, um, on, the, on the Discord. And I was like, man, I want to start it right now, too. He's like, bud, I'm dirty and grimy. I'll start it Monday. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to start right then and there, and especially when you're sitting down, like, staring at your screen, watching the YouTube video. But it was it was motivational because, I don't know, some way the way he put that 100 thing, I was like, man, that's – really practical easy advice and it's and it kind of makes you feel like oh i why would i not do that that seems like super simple I, i'm kind of dumb if i don't jump on this and so if i if that's something i'm concerned with this is an easy thing to just to just start and uh it was so, so disarming you know you go into the gym man and you see you know me i'm, I'm a small guy I weigh about 175 you know i'm not huge or anything like that i just love to go do my thing and you got guys out there in the corner like with their jugs of water just and eli's a big dude man he's cut up man this joker's ripped but he was like very very cool he's like dude you know you got to start somewhere and he was giving good practical advice he wasn't shaming anybody he's like just you know do this for a month and i promise you i promise you and this is something i know you will see changes in one month you'll see it if you just do 10 minutes a day 100 push-ups 100 squats 100 sit-ups you will see changes. I loved it, man. That, I, and then so that – he opened up with that. He could have gone into politics after that. He, like, melted my heart. I would have been – I'd be like, all right, let me hear what you got to say, Eli. Let's hear it. Go ahead. I'm ready. My heart's been prepared. He, it was great, man. I, I really appreciated that. I did like, too, that he focused – oh, go ahead, Will. I'm sorry. I, I thought it was great. I mean, I, I love um, 
I love when things are simplified. And I think, you know, personal help is one area that has been really overcomplicated in the last couple of decades. Like there's certain diets, there's certain workout routines, there's, and I'm not knocking, you know, whatever works for everyone else. But I know for me personally, you know, I have this like, um, fatigue that comes from like trying out like oh is it crossfit is it this is it that well should i eat this kind of diet should i cut out this or cut out that and so i really appreciated his kind of just like practical approach to like look just exercise just do these three things every day you know be active and you're gonna see change in your life and then i also appreciated what he talked about about lifting weights he was like you know lift weights he's like you know, people come back and say, oh, I'm going to get too bulky. He's like, it is hard to get bulky. You're not just going to get bulky from like average lifting weights. It's an exercise. Like you're going to get physical health benefits from it. And so I really appreciated that, like from someone like him, who's in really, really good shape, um, having that kind of practical outlook. And it wasn't like you're saying, Rob, he's not like pounding his gallon jug of water and telling us to do CrossFit, you know, like it, it was just, I, I appreciated that outlook on it. He was actually very, like, uh, as far as, like, even at one point I remember he was just, like, when he took it a step further, it was like, look, it's this. He's like, I like to cycle, or he was, he was like, I like to cycle my macronutrients, like, so my protein, my fat, blah, blah, blah. And he starts talking a little bit more in detail about it. And he's just like, am I talking a foreign language right now? You know what? <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, you know, he just kind of lays it out. It's like, these three things. He's like, if you want to get a little more technical, then what you could do is just Google BMR. And he's like, and then he'll give you a little calculator. You can figure out how many calories you need to just stay the exact same weight that you are right now. And he's like, and if you want to lose weight, you eat less than that. And if you want to gain some muscle or weight and you're exercising, you eat more than that. And then that's, he's like, cause at the end of the day, it's calories in calories out. He's like, that's all it is. So he's like, you want to start somewhere, do that part. And then, those three things. He gave us an app also, and I, I can't remember what it was. My Fitness Pal. He recommends My yeah, Fitness yeah. Pal. Yeah, just to, to cal calculate your calories and stuff. Right. Then he gave it, he said something that kind of like struck me. He's like, you know, he's like, you know, people want to uh, weigh 250. I don't weigh 250. I'm like, what? You don't weigh 250, dude? You're like. Well, yeah, he was talking about, like Will was talking about the lifting weights things. And, yeah. and this is actually in Aldous's book, I remember too. He was like, I remember Aldous in his book talks about, it. he's like, the worst thing is he's like, he always tells ladies, like when he was, I think, doing some training or something, he's like, and they're like, oh, I don't want to get all like muscly and like big. And he's like, that does not happen. That's not a thing that just happens to people. And, uh, and Eli, this is like, well, if, if that was just that easy, I would be like 250, 300 pounds in muscle right now. But that's, yeah. that doesn't work that way. <laughs> and so it's just, uh, I'm it's, thinking, it's, does he not weigh 250? I mean, he's tall, he's over six feet tall, he's huge. I was, yeah, I, would assume, I, I was just like, he's got to weigh 250. You'd think, but he's a very yeah. muscly gentleman. Uh, he also, uh, I thought this was kind of cool. He interviews Thank Brian you. Pillman. Uh, he brings on Brian Pillman, who they had that discussion we talked a little bit about on Tuesday, where like he was commenting on what Brian Pillman had said about wrestling now versus then. Like He thought that now was better uh, than then. So he actually brings Brian Pillman Jr. on the show to actually have the discussion, which I thought was kind of cool. And uh, 
So the notes from that basically are, Brian believes that because people have more access to footage and information now, there is more precision to moves now. And as there is more of an MMA influence in wrestling, he believes strikes are cleaner and he used more than the old fashioned wrestling punch. Uh, wrestling is more athletic now in terms of what is expected. Um, Eli agrees with that part on the strikes and athleticism. He says he also knows that he and most other wrestlers train like athletes, eat like athletes, but the parts he disagrees on are the points of selling and character. Uh, like an example they give, they actually talk about Brian Cage siding with AEW. Uh, they, they applaud that decision because Brian is an amazing athlete and all of these things, but he's weak as uh uh, and the voice or promo area. So they put Taz with him. They applaud that. Uh, they talk about how, uh, I don't know. They, they kind of get into the, the weeds about like, just, you know, just how wrestling is used now, like taking some of those old school style approaches. I think that came up because of uh, how the old school style works better. But anyway, did you guys have any main thoughts on, on that discussion that they had? Yeah, I mean, I, so this is a prime example of, you know, you can't jump to conclusions about what exactly someone means from just tweet. Um, because I was, I had the same, you know, defensiveness because, because his initial tweet was a little more broad saying that, you know, wrestling now is better. Well, that's a really broad statement. But when you hone in and you say, yeah, strikes, training, athleticism, it's definitely better now because they're under a microscope and they are compared to, to MMA. Um, so that's a true statement. You know, and I, I also agree with Eli that, you know, character development, selling, you know, there's some of those fundamentals don't exist better now than they did 30 years ago. Um, but then it kind of led into um, another another discussion where they were talking about, um, you know, a little bit of something we've been talking about, you know, just the three of us on, on chat is just this, you know, idea of, of kayfabe is dead and especially in the era, era of social media. Um, and they got into a discussion about, you know, what's their social media persona versus their their character and, you know, and they had a little bit of differing beliefs on that. Um, and so that was kind of a more intriguing conversation to me that stemmed from that of like, you know, they even talked about uh, talking about politics and things like that. Like, do people care? or Do they not care? You know, really, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation. I like hearing two um wrestlers talk about that instead of us you know on the outside talking about what our opinions are uh, kind of hearing them weigh on that so you know what were your guys thoughts on that that's a really interesting thing you bring up because it, it yeah that was the next thing that was really really fascinating to hear them discuss because I think as the discussion went on they, they talked about like uh, Eli saying he struggles with the fact that you know he looks at his social media as a platform that he could put out something positive and discuss it and then at the same time, like, depending on what his character is, he's kind of back and forth on how he should use that. And uh, he says, you know, like, I think his example was like Robert Downey Jr. is not tweeting as Iron Man. Uh, but Brian Pillard makes the point that like, if you're consistent with it, like you should be able to do it. Like actors like played like several different roles throughout a year, possibly. And wrestlers are the one person. Uh, and that maybe there's a way to like balance that with like use your Facebook or LinkedIn or something if you want to have like your personal viewpoint on something. But they, they talk about the difficulties of that because if say you're a character that's very, you know, racist 
are just naturally mean-spirited and trolling, then that's not exactly what you want to do on Twitter, you know? So it's, it's tough, man. I, it, it's, it, it's an interesting thing. And I remember this debate, by the way, coming up not too long ago too, with like uh, folks like, uh, uh, what's her name? Jordan Grace, like switched herself to the real name on Twitter rather than going by Jordan Grace or whatever. And so people had a, a problem with that, but man, I don't know. I need the doc's opinion on this. Cause I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure where I land yet. Yeah, and I'm not either. I thought it was a really good, very good discussion. I thought it was a very respectful debate. They, Eli was not, you know, shying away from where he would point out where he disagreed with him. You know, he would he would say, "Let me, but let me challenge you on this." And uh, uh, I think that, uh, um, gosh, man, it's so good. And they brought up so many good points. And, and, and like you said, you know, actors. Here's the thing, man. Pro wrestling is high culture. That's the mission of Piper's Notes. That's our mission is to show that it's not junky, trashy entertainment. It is high culture. It's on par with any form of literature or entertainment out there, theater, whatever. It is the congruence like Marty Bell alluded to in here, and I go back to that because it's one of my favorite interviews you've done, Gary, uh, where she talks about how uh, wrestling is the convergence of all these interests that you have from theater to dance to film to all these things. And it's no, no – accident that people like Gary are huge film buffs, huge literature buffs, and guys like Raven or Mensa Society and guys like Nick Foley are highly educated and guys like Billy uh, Corgan are highly educated and this and that. Will, you you know, you're just a uh, freaking uber talented in all these ways. It's not an accident, uh, but there is not a direct analogy between acting and pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is still performance sport. It's still a sport at base. So, yes, are there elements of acting there? Sure. And do uh, sports personalities have their opinions? Obviously, they do. Colin Kaepernick has his opinion. Muhammad Ali had his opinion. Uh, you know, these guys, it's not about not making a political point. It's like, as, as, as consumers of a performance sport, I'm not coming to you for your political opinion. I'm not coming to a Hollywood actor for their political opinion. And for sure, there are people that just because they're interested in those personalities, they want to know what they think about it. But me, I don't care about it. You have every right to, to say it, but don't get pissed at me and don't bully me. Like I'm some kind of like radical right wing lunatic because I disagree with you. Like you, you, like you alone have a bully pulpit, you know what I mean? But, but uh, Eli was very respectful. Even his political statement that he made, uh, I think I speak for everybody. This is the NWA podcast. We, uh, Firm that 100% what he said in the beginning we agree with that we're in complete concert with that and uh, the exchange was very was very good because Eli would make a good point about you know but actors and this and that and then uh, Pillman would come back with a point and I'm like you like I'm teachable on it. I, I, I have my opinions but I'm, I'm open for I guess I guess just what I said earlier you know there, there there's not a direct analogy between acting and 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 pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is actually superior because it contains acting and uh, among other things. Uh, but uh, but I'm not going to Eli for his political opinion. I mean, it's interesting to see what he says. But like the other day when he was going on his rant, I kind of felt belittled the way he coined it, and maybe I read it the wrong way, and maybe I'm hypersensitive about some things because of my background and context. But I felt like the way that he shelved it and couched it was disrespectful. You know, and, and it was, I felt like, you know, express your opinion, but do it in a way like you did today. Do it in a way that's charitable. And uh, 
they they both were very charitable to each other you know so well it's funny you mentioned in the discord uh just and I, I think actually in a private chat with us that you know we should give some lessons or like take some different opinions to like have a, a way to show like people how you can have respectful disagreement and that sort of thing i felt like they did that in this one and yes. uh they, I mean, they, like you said, they were going back and forth. I remember at one point, like Eli Drake even making the Dave Chappelle joke about, like, nobody's getting on Twitter asking what Ja Rule thought about 9-11. And, uh, they're, and then uh, Brian uh, Pilbacher <laughs> trained under Lance Storm, and he said that Lance Storm uh, taught him that the biggest stars are the, the people who live their gimmicks and embrace being a wrestler as much as they can at all times. And uh, Right. He also said that uh yeah yeah Pete, but the jaw rule is is not his shoot name <laughs> yeah that. yeah <laughs> but, ja but, the, but the interesting part <laughs> is is at the end of it i think the, the the discussion came to a point where eli uh like actually says he thinks that there's something that's like in the middle of like what they're discussing there's like a meld that will happen and just having that discussion will make them more complete wrestlers. And like, that's, and I, I just thought that's, I think, that's how it's supposed I to think work. That we, it should be. And I think that, that it's appropriate for every person in every pursuit that they are able to endeavor to pursue in this great country, the greatest country in the world that they're able to pursue. You should be able to speak out and say, Hey, you know, this bothered me or I disagree with this. I understand that there are other opinions and I'm, and I'm open to hear those. I'm not going to castigate you just because you disagree. But I think with, with Eli, he comes across, or he has in the past. He didn't today, and he didn't really last week either. So maybe he's kind of, maybe someone has said something to him or whatever. Maybe he's sensitive because there's, he's ruffled some feathers, you know, uh, and maybe that was his intent. But, uh, but he has always come across as just like, even on his social media where he'll tell you he's not been private about his, his political leanings. He comes across as so like, forceful and so like brute like it's just brute force he puts out there and for someone like me you know i'm like dude let's 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 handle most most things you're swinging with a machete where we ought to be using a scalpel here there's a lot of nuance there that you're just wiping away because i'm gonna tell you right now i disagree with everything you say i, I as a as a former serviceman i think you have that right to say that but i think you you would be you would be benefited you would further yourself by saying it in a better way <laughs> you know, that's where I come at. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had like mixed feelings about a lot of this because, uh, you know, I, I have a problem typically with like absolutes in, in the sense of like, well, this is absolutely wrong and this is absolutely right all the time, no matter what. I don't think that is an easy thing to, to, to assess. Um, and so when we're talking about, okay, you know, specifically, we're talking about professional wrestlers who have a platform, who've made a name for themselves. If they feel passionate about a certain political issue or a certain social justice issue, they really, in my opinion, they've earned the right to use their platform to talk about that, right? Um, I agree with you, Rob, that, you know, there is tact and there is, um, you know, just a maturity that comes along with having that platform. And that goes for everybody from the president of the United States down to a, a mid Carter and a indie wrestler. You know what I mean? Like if you have a platform um, there, there is a level of responsibility there, but you know, there's just, there's not an absolute yes or no to the question of do people care about my political opinion if I'm a wrestler, 
some people do and some people don't. So you can't, you can't just say black and white, like nobody cares or everybody cares. You know what I mean? And so that was one of the things that they were talking about. And they, they seem to disagree on that. You know, I think Pillman was more in the camp of like, no one cares about my political opinion. And Eli was more in the camp of like, well, some people do, you know? And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be personal preference and it's going to be, you know, what do they value when it comes to, because the same can apply to us, you know, all three of us have jobs. And if we're going to get really vocal about political opinions, there may be ramifications of that. There may be uh, consequences of that and how we present it. If we say things that are bullying and hurtful um, and things like that, we could lose jobs. We could, I mean, Rob, you've talked about that as an educator before. I mean, there's a standard for you. Um, and so that comes with, with every position. So, you know, it was just a really interesting conversation and a really interesting thought starter for me in terms of like, you know, when people say like, I don't, you know, like you just said, Rob, I don't care about their political opinion. Like I get that, but in the same vein, like I kind of do, you know? And so this is, this is just one of those areas where everyone has their personal preference. And uh, I think it does just come down to having that tact and that maturity right? and how you present yourself, knowing that you've earned a platform and you can very quickly fall off that platform if you're not careful. And there's like a, there's like a certain care, um, that an attention to detail that comes with being in that position. But again, I, I don't think there's like an absolute of they should never talk about politics or they should always talk about, it. you know, it's, it's, again, it's somewhere in the middle. Right. You shouldn't feed, you shouldn't feed that particular thing. And, it, and it's not, and it really isn't that I don't care. I think I felt, I felt like top down to, you know, I felt like the, the way he uh, presented it, there, there are certain issues that are, that are just, we all have them. And, and I'm not any kind of authority on this or anything like that, but we all have those issues that are very sensitive to us because of our context. But I felt like when he was talking, I'm like, dude, you know, Eli, I'm a fan of yours. I come to you and I appreciate you in this little regard, but right now you're belittling me. And, and by the way, the way you're talking, you know that you wrestle for the NWA, which is primarily a Southern thing. You know I mean? You're in the NWA country is the Southeast and you're going to alienate a lot of people. And that's not a good career move for you. That voice your opinion, but be, show some tact, man, and decorum when you do it, and uh, you know, and clean the language up. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I mean, I, w- I would love to sit like Josephus. I would love to sit with Josephus and not even never talk wrestling, just talk theology and politics. We're men. We and I don't want to get us canceled here, but I want we like to talk politics, sports, you know, theology, philosophy. We like to talk that stuff. I would like to get with Gio- Josephus and just talk theology, man, you know, and uh, or politics, and uh, but. There, there's a way to do it, and uh, yeah, there's certain, uh, there's definitely like a, a sort of a hobby interest in what these these public personalities are thinking. But but don't bully me, you know. Don't bully I me think about it. What what I'm tending to learn now, I think that happens is that people that tend to have a more, um, I, I was I was talking about this recently in our Psychotronic Film Society Discord. I don't know if you saw this, but there was an article that posted it about a uh, right wing. Uh, run production company did this or something and blah, blah, blah. It was an article about a guy who had been accused of sexual assault, all this stuff. And I kind of went off for a second, but again, that was the beer. Cause I was just kind of like, why do they have to do that? The headline, like this individual has nothing to do with which side of the aisle he's on. Like that's, that's like a clickbait thing. Like this is a guy who's an asshole and he's an asshole. And that's, that's what the article should be about. And uh, so it, it kind of went off on a, like a little tangent, but, and then somebody, 
uh, my, my co-host on the Psychotronic Film Society, he's like, are you still doing your stoicism thing? Like you've been reading about the stoics and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still doing it, but not what I'm drinking. And, and, uh, <laughs> and so I was like, also, I just get irritated sometimes and I just got to vent for a second. Like it just, uh, the point being is, is what I was going to say is like when I was talking about it, I, I, I was trying to make the point even in there that uh, I have nuanced thought about a lot of things. I have nuanced thought about politics and religion and, uh, and just all these different aspects of life, but it feels like the best place for me is to shut up about it on social media because social media is not the place. Like you've got- you you have the people that are going to speak out are people that are very hard lined one way or the other because you got to be real secure at how far on one side or the other you are to speak out on social media because you're not going to get a chance to like have an actual discussion you're not going to get to be like i agree with this thing but i do have concerns about this and I do think that this is a factor and this is also a factor. And like, you can't do that. You got to fit like 140 characters. You got to knock it out. Like mm-hmm. F this. And that's it. That's what you got. And you got to be ready for the people that don't agree with that. And a lot of people that do too. And that's it. And the Dude, fact no, is, not- is that most political and theological and all of those kind of discussions, you can't do it in 140 characters. You just can't. And so I think yeah, that that's yeah. why like and somebody I, like Eli Drake comes across that way. Like he's very like, boom, I think this and here it is. And, you know, good for him, but I stay yeah, away from I feel, it. I feel the need to probably clarify too, just in the current climate, we're talking about politics. We're not talking about uh, humanity and black lives matter and things like that. That to me, that is not a political issue. Um, so just to clarify, in case anyone is listening and they want to read into this, that we're saying don't speak up on behalf of, of social justice issues. To me, that is not politics. That is human decency. That is let's treat people equally. Let's, uh, help people when they need help. That applies to anyone who is marginalized or needs help. To me, that's not a political issue. Both sides uh, of the fence should unite and, and say that that matters, right? But yeah, when it comes to politics, it is very divisive and it is very, uh, you know, it, it is one of those things. So I just say all that to say when it comes to racial equality, I don't feel the need to be silent because I think that there is an issue that you need to take a clear stand on. But when it comes to politics and policy and things like that, I do tend to lean towards, listen, nothing's going to be solved online. I've never once seen a political argument happen in the comments on Facebook and someone go, you know what? You're right. I've changed my mind. That's never happened. If it, if it has happened, please send us a screen. I would love to analyze it and to see what happened. Cause I've never seen it happen in the history of social media. And so I always keep that in my mind when it comes to this stuff, because I'm like, at this point, I'm just, I'm just blowing hot air into the universe for no reason, because there's no purpose and there's nothing going to be solved here. And yeah. so that, you know, and that's kind of what's always in my mind when it comes to political stuff. Well, I, right. let's take this opportunity real quick to just jump in and let's just throw this in here because I don't know how deep you guys want to go into girl power and if even all of you have even seen all of it. 
uh, yet, but they also, exactly what Will was just talking about, they delve right into it, so we might as well just drop this here as well, that we're also now going to jump into Girl Power too, because their whole discussion was on uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and that sort of thing, featuring Allison Kay and uh, was it Marty Bell and uh, a couple of other ladies that uh, I wasn't familiar with beforehand, uh, but MJ Jenkins and Ayla Fox, uh, they kind of get in there. Uh, the, the, the reason I, I wanted to go ahead and jump in that too, because one thing is tough, I, I 100% agree with you, Will, about what you're saying. Uh, sadly, that stuff gets politicized too. Like, I mean, it, it, it turns into some kind of political discussion. Where, whereas like, I think everything that I said was on the other side of that. If you have something you feel very strongly about, I feel like you should very much feel like you have a place and a way to just, just announce it to the world and stand up for what you believe in. If you feel like it's worth standing up for. Um, I have no problem sitting here right now and telling you as a human being, I cannot understand you if you watch the video of the George Floyd thing and you just were like, fine. Like that's, that, there was nothing okay about that situation. So like, I'd like to think that literally everybody is on board on that statement, but somehow still, it feels like stuff just, like once it gets out into the ether, it just goes crazy. Like I, I think, I don't know. I don't it's know like, what happens, man. Because people politicize that too. And I, I think you're right. I think, you know, you had a moment where like the country was universally behind the, the, the absolute rejection and horror of what we saw. That was a public lynching. It was. And I hesitate to use the word lynching because I'm not certain that it was, you know, we come, now we find out that they, these guys have a 17 year history together. There was personal animosity. You have a ch an, an Asian man in front, they're standing in front. I'm not sure that it was racially motivated and you can't ascribe, you know, the, the, the cruel acts of, of, a couple, even a couple of hundred of instances of abuse of power and law enforcement to a police force of three million people, you know, to a, a big portion of which are black. My father-in-law has been in law enforcement for 30 years. I don't believe that there are systematic races that runs through police. And, and, and then you, you go back two weeks before that we're in Georgia, there really was a racially motivated attack on a person jogging who was gunned down by two white guys, two good old boys, that got no response. But then we have this incident, which now appears now that we're starting to get information, you know, that there was some history between the two. They worked at the same nightclub. Again, I'm not trying to politicize this. What happened was wrong. We all agree with that. But if I were to point out that, you know, this George Floyd is probably not the face of the movement you want. This is a guy who put a, a, put a loaded gun to a pregnant woman. That's why he was in prison. You know, he's, he, this is not the guy that you want. If you want the face of your movement, go two weeks before that and find that guy. That's the face of your movement. This is an upstanding guy who was brutaled down by clearly racial motives. But now, you know, you have people out there in the streets that are that are protesting, that are looting, that are and, and they're not peaceful. They're not. You throw a, a, a brick at a police officer or a secret service, that's not peaceful. I don't care. I can be offended by both and that'd be equally unjust. But you, but you now I'm, I'm gonna just say this and, and this may be our this may be our chance to training people how to disagree gracefully. I, uh, I hear what you're saying. Um, and I am not an expert. I don't know every police officer. I don't know every, you know, I, I just know from 
the, from the actual videos that I've seen over the past two weeks, there is a problem, in my opinion, with accountability in law enforcement. And again, I, I don't think every, every cop is bad. I don't think that. But I think I've seen enough with my own two eyes, um, with or without context, to see that there needs to be some accountability. There needs to be some more training or something. So there needs to be some kind of massive reform because people don't just protest for no reason. Um, people, I mean, they might, I, that was kind of a, a blanket statement, but I think yeah. in this particular instance, there's a lot of names that have, have stoked this fire of, of, you know, black people who have been, uh, their lives have been taken. They were unarmed. I, you know, honestly, man, I don't care about their history. I don't care about if they were a saint or not. I'm just looking at what, what I saw in a video of an right. unarmed man with a, a, a knee on his neck. Well, I agree the with life, you 100%. The life, the life was taken from him. So, like, I, I'm less concerned, Rob, that about a face of a movement than I am what they're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to accomplish as humanity. And so um, I will disagree with you on that point. I think we see eye to eye that there is an issue. Right. And I think we see eye to eye that uh, change needs to happen. Uh, and that we're tired of seeing videos of people being people of color being murdered for no reason, right. unarmed. That's right. And, and I listened to a guy on a podcast that's that day who lived in Gary, Indiana. And he said, you know what? That same day I drove through Gary and saw a black man laying in the street killed by another black man. And he said he made the point. He's like, why do we expect blacks lives to matter to the world when they don't matter to us? You know, you have a you have a a massacre, an onslaught of black murder going on in black communities, and you have law-abiding citizens in those communities crying for more law enforcement, not less. And my point is, I agree, that should have, that was an atrocious event, but I'm not going to ascribe, you know, blanket racism to, to police force where Minneapolis wants to dismantle law enforcement. It's like saying that because you have a few teachers that are pedophiles that we have rampant pedophilia in public education. It's just not true. That is a classic logical fallacy. It's hasty generalization. And, uh, but you but repeat think, but it I, long enough. But I think you, you repeat would it agree. Long and it becomes true. But I think you would agree if there was a, just a, a, a groundswell of, of pedophiles in the school system, you as an educator would be totally fine with some big reform, some enhanced accountability, you would have no problem being put under a, a thicker microscope, right? Because you I agree. I agree. But, but I think, I think that's, and I think that's where like, I have a problem is like, where's the, what's the pushback between, but from, you know, let's just take the steps to make sure this doesn't happen from the bad apples. You know what I mean? And like, you um, never have bad apples, but what's being sold as the groundswell is really a situation now where law enforcement feels like they can't enforce anything. The moment, if you're, if, if you're a criminal, if, if a person that's engaged in the crime happens to be black, God forbid you be a white police officer. God forbid. God forbid I bring up stoicism here, but one thing that it teaches <laughs> like, right now too is to, like, a lot of times people lead with their emotions. And that's just a natural human instinct that you do. So uh, one of those things is about trying to keep that in check like to try to take a step back and to think about why you're feeling what you're feeling and to try to harness it and to like focus it in on like, what is the real issue with what I'm thinking about here? The trouble is, is like, I, I see what you're saying. I hear you, Rob, about uh, 
do we know that this officer was necessarily racist and that's why this happened? No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think that there's like adequate evidence to say that for certain. Um, and I think though that what happens is, is like this comes as like, it's like the straw that broke the camel's back in some ways that like there are like other issues also. I mean, like literally like Louisville, is it Louisville where they're having the huge issue now too? And it's not about George Floyd as a, I mean, that's part of it, but it's also about this uh, Brianna Davis, I think was her name, the the girl that the cops just like busted down their door and just shot her up because they were at the wrong place and had or serving a no knock warrant on someone that you know they they weren't that was already in custody that they weren't looking for. They like busted down these these people's door. And the boyfriend, of course, jumps up with a gun and starts firing back at whoever's breaking into his house. And uh, in the process, uh, she gets shot like 28 times or something. And it's like, it's ridiculous. And again, I don't know that that's, there's probably, you know, there's nothing there to necessarily indicate, but it was a black couple. There's, there's multiple instances, I think, uh, proportionately uh, black men are more likely to be killed by police officers than white men. Uh, overall, the number for white—that's incorrect, Gary. There, there are there are dozens of of, re, of, of peer-reviewed studies that show. Well, that well I looked this up, right. and it's like white people have more white men that get killed by police officers, but proportionally, proportionally. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I saw that. Now I could be wrong, but I, I feel yeah, like it's, it's it's not it's not quantitative. There are more whites that get pil- killed by police officers per year, but it, but when when taking into account that black people are 13, only 13% of the population, that's the higher percentage. That's how, that's where that number comes from. So every, everyone's right. Not to try to be peacemaker, but yes, everyone's right. Depending on what perspective you look at it. Yeah. Well, I'm not mad or anything. I'm just saying I I was trying to look into this myself because I have, again, talking about these nuanced views about these things. Like I try to be like understanding because I, I try to approach things from the idea that I don't think that people are inherently bad people. Like people, situations and where where your place in life is a lot of times dictates how you turn out and like why you're this way uh in in an area like uh you talk about the black on black violence i mean that is obviously a problem too but a i don't feel like it's a problem like i can directly speak to and then b i also feel like you could trace a lot of these things back to like what's that environment what's the there's a lot of societal like things that that dictate this and i guess where i'm going is is that the thing is is that right now this thing sparked a flame that's caused an uproar and i don't think that it's necessarily an unwarranted uproar some people are protesting because of black lives matter some people are protesting because of a militarized police force some people are taking this too far and uh they're they're lashing out angrily and aggressively and violently. And personally, I totally disagree with that. I see where it's coming from because they don't feel heard. And that's emotionally the reaction that happens. It's not, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying like, I understand why all this is happening. And like everybody, somebody somewhere has to take a step back and say, okay, we hear you. We're listening now. And, uh, you know, uh, again, this is not a political platform, but I don't think that 
<laughs> some of our leadership is doing are, a very good job. I know, I know, I know. Here we are. I don't feel like our leadership is doing that. I'll just say it. I don't feel like that that's what's happening. And I feel like that this is, is exactly where that should be happening. And so until that starts happening, none of this will get better. And it's not going to get better by arguing or like trying to like dig in and fight this thing. It, it needs to be a discussion of like people are hurting, people are crying out. Like there is, there's a problem and it needs to be addressed compassionately and Rob I know that's a big thing that you're you're for and, I agree, uh, yeah. and, and, and the so there, there, there is a lot of nuance to the discussion but sometimes also the problem is is that the details the minutiae the nuance of those discussions it's not quite yet to the point that you can get there it's like somebody's got to take a step back and be like okay I hear you I'm not arguing with you now I want to listen. Like, what are you saying? And I feel like that's where we get hung up a lot. It's like somebody's got to give somewhere and, and we're stubborn people. And like, we just like, wow. like to just bash it out. And, th and that's not going to work. That's not going to work for this situation. If it, does any of what I'm saying make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think too, I mean, one of the things we've hit on before is like, you know, a lot of assumptions can be made either way. Right. And, and, and all I know is what I've seen. All I know uh, is what we all agree on. If we want to you know, roll back and start there, George Floyd's death was unnecessary. It was tragic. It was out of line. Um, and there's been several of those that I, I've had to watch uh, that I chose to watch. Like, you know, it came up on my feed and out of curiosity, I watched it. But these are burned in my head now these lynching style killings. Now I cannot tell you because I don't know what's in everyone's heart, that that was purely from racism or not. But what I don't think is helpful is to use that as uh, an argument to not do anything. So we don't know if it's racism or not. Well, th the fact is these things happen. The fact is that there was a very, very long time for the people that did them to be held accountable. That's where I have a problem. Something's got to change there. Right. So all of this is a symptom of something deeper. If it's racism, yeah, let's address racism. If it's not, if it's this like uh, boys club protecting each other or something like that, I don't know. I can't say I'm not a I'm not a police officer. I don't know how that works. You know, well, even Just in like, the I don't scenario know how... with with Ahmad, uh, forgive me, I don't remember his last name, but it some outrage did happen because until it did happen, those freaking guys didn't even get arrested. Like they, yeah. it was over. Like that was the yeah, end until, of the story. That, until the public, right until the public saw the video. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that's a clear instance of good old boy justice right there, where you have people in cahoots, and that—that's why I'm like, this is this is your movement here. But you well, have well, can, you can imagine that like Brianna happens, like that situation in Louisville, oh. and then Ahmad happens, and then you finally get to George Floyd. People and so those things, right? Those it's things just, are those things make the news. They're newsworthy because they're because they're unusual. They're the when something makes the news, if, if it happened every day, every day, and it was routine, it's not newsworthy by definition. Because, you know, these are things that are, even if we're talking about 200, which many of these instances that are kind of thrown out, man, there, there's no, there's no uniform agreement on whether or no that, that was excessive use of police force or not. What I'm saying is you have, this thing took place and Will, like you said, there, there was this delay in arrest in this very, very liberal city where you would think, you know, that, these jokers would have been clamped down on, but no, there was this delay. 
Senator Klobuchar herself refused to charge this same police officer with excessive use. In the past, he had 19 other counts in this very liberal city. And, and, that, and now, so we're going to take this instance. And so we're going to paint this picture that there's rampant systematic racism running through law enforcement in America. And I'm going to tell you, if you let, if you let, and I believe in peaceful protest, I believe in it, do it. But the moment you allow people throwing bricks, scaling the fence at the White House, hitting Secret Service agents, burning stores, these Black-owned businesses, when you allow that to set policy, now you've entered the third world. Because in this country, we live by law and order and the rule of law. And so I will never agree that it's okay for people, whatever their freaking pent-up sentiments are, to get out of hand to that. It's never right to do the wrong thing, ever. Well, again, I, I don't agree with that necessarily. And I will say, I have seen some videos, dude. I saw a funny one the other day. It's not funny, I guess, but like where the some influencer on Instagram or something like was like videoing at the protest and tried to get the protesters to flip a car. And it was like, All that, yeah. oh, everybody get over here. And they just started chasing this guy down. <laughs> They're like, no, screw you, buddy. Like, I, I'd like to think that most protesters are actually like that. They're like, no, this is not what we're about. 90% yeah 90% are I would so, say so I just I just want to be clear I don't think the protesters are allowing for that to happen like that's not everybody's sentiment it is some people and, and don't keep me wrong and there are some and there are some of those people that are actually genuinely angry about the scenario and they're lashing out in a violent way and there's some people that are a percentage of those people that are just being dicks but it's just you know it's just that's the I'll, way I'll of any scenario I'll say this to you, man. I have not heard anyone who is legitimately, you know, that's part of the Black Lives Matter protests or movement or cause. I have not heard any of them say that looting is okay or that rioting is okay. This is, this is again, a small select group of people that have not handled this maturely. Conversely, I have not heard anybody who is you know, full on, uh, you know, not full on against Black Lives Matter, but that have been pushing back on it, say that killing black people senselessly is okay. So I think there is some unity here that if yeah. we can get past this, like whatever this, this feeling of threat that everyone has, that like, I'm going to be diminished by elevating black lives or that cops as a whole are going to be depreciated if we elevate black lives. If we can get past that kind of initial, like, uh, rub and pushback, I think we can actually make some progress. But but I think we can all agree, again, not to continue to bring us back to the unifying issue, but I do like being a peacemaker. We can agree that yeah. these killings were senseless and that something, there's something is wrong in there that needs to be addressed. And until it gets addressed, if it keeps getting swept under the rug, this is just going to swell up more and more and more and people are going to have no choice but to say, well, it's racism or it's this or it's that. And so, you know, I don't know what they expect, if they don't address the situation, someone in power can address the situation and, and make a real change. Happen. Well, that that's again, the huge part of it. I, I don't know if you guys saw the rocks video about it. I, I stood by that one. I thought that was a, a good one uh, about demanding more from leadership as far as addressing people's feelings. Uh, one thing we can all agree on is Allison Kay is fantastic. Uh, she's a phenomenal person. And, and I, I say that to say, I wanted to read this one quote that she had in here that I actually really liked. Uh, like in Girl Power, she says, when white people hear the words white supremacy or white privilege, they get tits. And then they put their backs up against the wall and they start defending themselves. And I just want to tell you that talking about white privilege and acknowledging that you have a privilege by your skin tone is not meaning that your life has not been difficult. It just means that your skin is not making it more difficult. 
And not only that your life wasn't difficult, but that it also doesn't mean that you're wrong for being born white because some people seem to feel like it's some sort of attack on them and it's not. The whole point of this is that you shouldn't be judged by skin color. And uh, I thought that was a good way of rounding out like what that movement should be about. Uh, that, that, that she gets it. She's a very smart lady. But uh, anyway, just thought I'd throw that in there in this whole discussion. If you guys want to, we can just very tweet well. about it later and just throw tweets back and forth to each other and <laughs> RT and try to cancel each other or something. Nah, nah this, man. This is, <laughs> this is good, man. This is good. Hey, as, Again, what you just saw, you just saw a respectful exchange of ideas. Yep. And we love each other. These are my best pals. We're not going to agree on everything, but they're still my best pals, man. We're going, we're going to, when we go off the air, we're going to, we're going to hammer it out some more, I think, but maybe not. I still got, <laughs> I, I mean, I still got more beer, so I don't know. I just, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I guess I just have to, to round it out to, we have to be more charitable with each other. We're human beings. We love our kids. We want our kids to grow up in a safe society. We want uh, to live in a society where, where law dictates and not the mob and not, you know, racial injustice and those things. And nobody should be lynched on the streets. Nobody should be. I don't care what his past is, but let's let's step back and not allow fear mongers or or people who want to manipulate an opportunity to turn this into something that it's not. And you know, protest by all means, but protest at the ballot box. You know, protest peacefully. Um, well, we we talked about on Tuesday. I think Killer Mike bringing up that exact same point. Like he he he's you know he's a, he's a black leader, and uh, you know whether he wants to be or not. Like he's having to stand up there and and talk and. Uh, and he, he's kind of calling for the same thing. And so, I mean, to, to what you're saying, I mean, it is these weird things of, and I'm not saying you did this, but it, it's this weird thing of like, we see this, we see what happens and everybody's on board that this is an awful thing. I feel like, I feel like everybody is 100% in agreement. That officer effed up. That is not how this works. That's not how it ever should work. But then it's like, you know, some people did go to, well, it's because he's black or it's because police are this way. And then some people automatically feel like they've got to defend it. And some people take it into territory that, I mean this respectfully, and, and you've, and you've kind of said this, but it's like who that guy was doesn't matter to me. Like it, it, the second that he's faced out on the ground and he is incapacitated or, you know, like he can't fight back. He's not doing anything and you're just standing on him or kneeling on him, like, it doesn't matter who the dude is anymore. It doesn't, you know, all of that stuff. So whether or not he sparks a movement to me, like, is like it, it, I don't care who that guy is. No person should be in that situation, white or black, whatever. It's, it's, it's just, but once it gets into that discussion and, like, that stuff gets thrown out, then people feel like they have to be defensive against that thing. And then they have to feel like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like the more details that get added in, like everybody, it just starts dividing it further and further and further. When I, I think even Will was kind of saying this, it's like when you come back to it and like round it all back off, like we're all kind of agreeing. It's just yeah, like, I think, I think we all agree. I think we all agree on the why it's the, the division comes in the what and the how, like we, we disagree on where we think it stems from and what we think we should do about it you know in the details but we all can agree on the why that this was 
these instances are wrong and they're terrible and they should stop. And, you know, I think if we can rally around that a little more, I think we can, you know, come together and make some real change. That That's where I'm at. And I think that's where Rob's at. And I think, Gary, that's what you're saying too. So Yeah, and you know, nothing think, I'm saying here is saying that all cops are bad. Like I'm no. absolutely not on board with that. No. I think that's the generalized 140 character statement that gets thrown out there. Like it's an easy one to just get out there. Like let's just say F the police all day. Like on, I don't know. And that's not how it should be. But, you know, that's that Twitter thing. That's that social media stuff. So. Yep. Anyway, you guys want to talk about something? About, we're just here talking about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so we would not have to talk about it if these wrestlers did not bring it up. So it's like they raised the issue. Hey, man, they started it. <laughs> you know, but again, be charitable. You know, people be charitable. Uh, I didn't mean to, uh, and, and just you guys phrasing it that way, I didn't mean to bring the George Floyd background up as though like that just what's happened. I, I was simply saying that just two weeks before that, we had something where why did that not trigger the movement? But this did here two weeks ago. You well, had a weird. guy that was. You never know. I don't think you get to pick when that stuff happens. Sometimes, like you know, like yeah, it, just, it just it just happens. happens in, it happened in a city in in the inner city, and this mobilized a community, and people responded to that. Or you know, in rural Georgia, that's not going to mobilize the masses. And, um, but it's, uh, but you know, that they, they, you got people out there on the street and, and this is mobilizing political activism and go to vote. But I'm thinking, well, you guys live in these heavily, heavily democratic cities. Who are you going to vote for? You're not going to vote Republican. You're not going to do that because you, you've already discounted that. So you're going to vote these same guys in the office that are part of the problem, you know, but just be charitable, be charitable, everybody. Uh, let's talk about something, uh, less yeah. controversial, uh, <laughs> Let's talk about Jim Cordette for a second. Um, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> because I saw that uh, Eli Drake mentioned that James Thorne uh, and him, he thought that it would be so much fun for them to get to take on FTR. And uh, especially if, like, Jim Cordette was their manager, which just seemed like an off-the-wall statement, if not immediately following this. Like, FTR shows up on the Jim Cordette experience, podcast and obviously have a great relationship with him and uh they're they're fans of Cornet, and they it's a really good interview by the way i listened to it today but um there was a real discussion there that like i don't know you you could you could buy that if Cornet was gonna dip his toes back into the wrestling world it would be if he could manage these guys and they would have it. And so I don't know that that would happen at AEW because Cornette has been less than kind to AEW. But, uh, it, you know, we also found out in that exact same interview that FTR is not contractually obligated to AEW. They are just there. Like, it is – it's just – you know, they're still technically free agents. AEW is just paying them to be there right now. So – that's like a real possibility. And now your thoughts. I would be, I don't think there's a chance in hell that Jim Cornette ever appears on an AEW stage. I'll just say that flat out. I mean, just with, with his remarks about specifically AEW, but then also, you know, with Tony Khan's uh, 
you know, stance this week on, on the racial stuff and, you know, banning Hulk Hogan and Linda Hogan because of their, you know, stuff. And I think his quote about it was like, you know, how could I possibly put, you know, how could I look at the, the performers that I, I have and how could I look at, you know, the athletes on the Jaguars that I work with and justify, you know, someone who said something so racially divisive giving them a stage so I, I don't think Tony Khan would ever allow it and I honestly I don't think Jim Cornette would ever <laughs> agree to it so I think we could put that rumor to rest personally yeah well he has the, he's been uh, pretty nonplussed about uh David Legata also so I'm not sure that it would happen if he had WA either but uh it's wrestling man you never know anything um, can happen uh, you know, we, we saw it in the Discord originally that maybe want to go listen to the podcast. Uh, our, our buddy Fortson uh, actually posted a clip from the show talking about it and it made me go listen to the interview. And uh, it's it's just interesting to think about because the Fortson said, like, wow, if you really wanted, like, this goes back to our earlier discussion about as far as personas and, like, real legitimate heat. It's like if you really wanted to get some like actual, like real life angry heel heat, like there you go, that would do it. That would that would seal the deal with Jim Cornette coming on. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting thought. Um, Rob, did you did you have thoughts on this one? I'm with Will. I think that right now Jim Cornette is probably pretty un unpalatable for promotion like the AEW. I'm not saying it's always going to be that way because the, the public and the organizations are, are very forgiving. Um, you remember Hulk Hogan had said some things that were quite awful and then... I would argue way worse things. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I'd say give them, you know, give, give it five years. Um, give, give, uh, give, give it a chance for the world to turn back for, for Jim Cornette to, to pay his proper penance. I mean, you know, Jim Cornette Again, not to bring policy, Jim Cornette is an outspoken Democrat. <laughs> you know, he's a liberal, and uh, he, uh, uh, you know, he's he's not a racist. I mean, he said he said something stupid, but right now, I think he's he's probably not just because he's outspoken, but because of the NW thing, he's probably not very touchable. But I don't people, think people that's can argue case, motives right? all day. But I will say also on the FTR episode of the Jim Cornette experience, he went on a rant about the situation we were just talking about, at a very progressive version of that rant and uh a moment of silence for the george floyd situation like just yes sounded very yes. very upset about that whole thing so. so people people that that's gonna resonate it's not probably not today but you know and i think i don't think there's a chance in seeing him there like will said but uh you know give it a couple of years i don't think jim Cornette's done i mean he's he's too important um He's a, he's a positive presence, and he's outspoken. That's kind of his thing. But uh, but it wouldn't surprise me three, four, five years down the road to see him pop up back up in, in AEW or NWA or something like that. You know, that thing he did, and I'm going to have to get to it, and I'm working pretty hard right now, like on the NWA rewinds, to have um, the, the the guy that, that is supposedly going to do this with, with me, I asked him if he'd be interested, and he was very much for doing it with me, is a, a black guy. Uh, to do the episode of NWA Power with that it, Nick Aldis and Trevor Murdoch match where the statement was made by Jim Cornette that eventually led to his loss of a job. I wanted to have somebody that wasn't a pasty white dude like me uh, on there too. And uh, 
And so we're, we're going to end up talking about it. I remember the night that that happened and uh, it did not phase me. Like I did not get it. I didn't even like, it didn't even register to me. It's like, I get it now. Like I get where people were coming from. Um, but I, I want to have that discussion with, with somebody to see, I, I was, I, to, to put them over, I just did another podcast. Like I was interviewed on the worked shoot podcast. You guys should check them out if you're listening to this, but, uh, I just did an interview with them and he came up briefly. And, uh, one of the hosts of that was a black guy and he was, he talked about, he was very much bothered the second half, but, uh, so it's it's interesting to see how that like has and again that that probably just comes from my lot in life did not lead me to a place that i even thought twice about it but to a lot of other people that affected it anyway that's going to take us down a whole other rabbit hole let's talk about hulk hogan and uh how he said some things had sex with his friend's wife and uh <laughs> And I'll let you explain this part to Piper, but basically what happened. No, I'm just <laughs> Hold on, I'm changing my background. <laughs> I'm changing my background. Thank you. I'll Thank talk you. about this. <laughs> oh man. Do not let her be a Hulkamaniac. <laughs> I don't think we're in danger of that happening. Not not in a in an NWA household like the Stinson household. Yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, so guys, I don't, uh, I don't know. We could jump into putting you over stuff and burying like we're, we're, we're rounding out here. I mean, we've been going a little while. We got some heavy stuff. You never know what you're going to get with this is the NWA podcast. And if you want more of it, you can hit subscribe. We'd love to have you, uh, be a part of this. Um, I want to put something over. Go ahead. Go ahead, brother. Again. uh, And I said this earlier, our, our, our mission at Piper's Notes from uh, This is the NWA podcast is to show that pro wrestling is high culture. And so uh, even though I don't particularly like to go to Eli Drake to, to, to hear his political opinions, obviously because it's so uh, encompassing, it, it touches on lots of, of, of the features that make us human beings, politics inevitably come up and it's going to in a climate like today. So to me, you know, this discussion that we had today speaks volumes about what how pro rep the power of pro wrestling man you know this was motivated by comments that were made in two separate podcasts in in carney land you know and uh you know because because wrestlers being human beings are also educated people and informed and they're motivated and they are humanitarians and um it's not just uh people smacking each other in the ring you know they 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 care and they're they're public figures so i feel like the discussion we had is was was very appropriate yeah um on a more positive note, for uh, putting you over, I would like to say uh, Sal Renaro and Cal Davis have a new series on YouTube that is just delightful. And it's uh, Sal and Kyle Lack Direction. If you guys haven't seen this, you have definitely got to tune into it. It's just lighthearted, fun. It is not heavy like anything else we've talked about. It's just these two guys having a good time. And they're very quick. There's only two episodes so far, but God bless him. God bless that Sal Renaro. He just seems like a delight all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually put this over on the Monday episode of Hey, It's Well Daily. I showed a little clip at the end. So, um, man, I, I, I'm here for that. Uh, anything that is just some fun slapstick, laugh out loud, 
uh, comedy. I, I'm for it, especially right now. And uh, so definitely go watch that. It was it was a good laugh. Favorite part was the uh, the Smashing Pumpkins reference in the first episode, where he said Smashing Pumpkins, and Sal said it is June. That <laughs> just I don't I lost it during that part. That was just great. Oh man, uh, you guys have anything else you want to put over? I'd like to put over the mass fan again. I know we put him over uh, before, but he put out uh, his uh, mask uh, unpackaging video this week. And, uh, and I'm not going to spoil it for those who haven't seen it because he's kind of been hitting at giving hints about who, which mask he bought, but it's just a, it's a very delightful little video. It's only, it's very easy to watch five minutes. Like typically his stuff is, and, uh, and it's worth a watch. He, he's good. He put some footage in on at the end of the, of the mask that he bought that he featured. And this guy's just, with somebody who deals with a lot of personal, you know, personal issues that he's not been, uh, you know, he's been very bold to share with the public. Uh, for him to put something out like this is so positive and uplifting. I thought it was just a good, with all that's going on, it's like talking about how we need Tim Storm right now. What now? The, the, the world needs more mass fans, man. He's so, he's so uplifting. Even when he's sharing his, uh, his challenges, like he, uh, he inspired me. I like that guy. I will never argue against the mass fan. I'm a fan. Well, I, I'm going to put over Gary because, uh, dude, you've been making the rounds this week, man. You've been representing uh, the NWA. This is the NWA podcast on uh, several different platforms and different podcasts, and you've been a, a wonderful ambassador of what we do here. And so I, I'm, yeah, I know, man. And that's not the three beers talking. It's a little bit the three beers talking. But I just, <laughs> you know, wanted to uh, – you know, make sure you know how much that Rob and I appreciate you, but then the NWA fam, just the, the, the exposure you give to the brand going to these other podcasts that are not necessarily NWA specific and kind of being, uh, holding the banner high and, and being a voice for all of us. So, uh, you know, not to get overly sappy, but you know, you deserve to be put over this week. You've done a lot of work. I mean, very you're sweet. all right. You're okay, <laughs> you're okay I guess. That's very sweet, man. Man, I'll tell you what. I will say this. If I if I could just for a second say that one thing that did hit me this week with like after being on uh, Ringsider's Rant with RJ, and uh, which is a good show too. People should check out. And then like the Work Shoot podcast that I did. And then the other week I was on a couple of things. And uh, it's just, if you could have told me like two years ago that I would be talking about wrestling so much to like an online crowd of a lot of people that I never even met or only met because of this thing. And especially then that like people would actually want me to come do their projects to talk about wrestling. I, it just blows my mind. Like, so every time I actually had to turn one down this weekend because I was like, my wife is going to kill me. If I do another thing, can we schedule it for another time? Like I have to, I have to watch TV with my wife. Like I, uh, she she is Same sick of me talking about wrestling, <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's fun, man. It's 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 a blast, and like, yeah, you're right, dude. A lot of these people, you don't realize that we live in our little NWA bubble, but some people are just trying to get like a glimpse at what that's about. Like, what what is this NWA fam? What is what's going on in the NWA? Why do you like it so much? That sort of thing, and so it's a uh, it's a lot of fun to 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 talk with people about that. So thanks. Yeah. Let's bury some stuff now. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
I, I, I do want to say too, real quick, because we usually do a better job of like uh, talking. We, we went through all the Cardi Land stuff, but since that's so like dominant right now in our cycle of stuff, uh, Thunder Rosa's still been kicking it, like killing it. Besides, uh, and, and we owe it to her to mention that because she was kind enough to take time. Like when she literally had like half an hour to spare in her whole day, she used it to come on our show, the live show on Tuesday. And uh, we are grateful to you, Thunder Rosa, for doing that. You and uh, Brian Cervantes, a.k.a. Brian Rosa, uh, you guys are, are awesome and we love you guys. So uh, Thunder Rosa just did a, a live chat recently with uh, Monica. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce her name. Uh, it's Lester, Lister. I, I can't remember how I exactly pronounce it, but Monica's awesome too. And they, they did a live show where they were answering fan questions and they put us over on there again. And uh, they, they were really, really cool. And I, I enjoyed, uh, I was in the chat for that one and they were taking fan questions and it was, it was very entertaining watching those two just interact and, and just try to Thunder Rosa is hustling all the time. And uh, mm -hmm. she deserves props. She's mm -hmm. exactly the kind of person you want representing your brand because she is steady out there. The exact same thing you were just talking about. She she just she kills it like nobody else. Man, me me and Will are both Christians. Man, we uh, I can't help but but think that you know in the fullness of time through God's infinite providence, He chose Thunder Rosa and Nick Aldis to lead our company <laughs> during this strange time because she is amazing. She is the perfect champion. And Nick Aldis is the perfect statesman to 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 to, to bridge these gaps and to and to carry the and sustain them. And she is on it every day. I love her, and she grows in estimation every day. Did you just did you just imply that Nick Aldis and Thunder Rosa were anointed by God to lead the NWA? Yes. I'm, I'm a Presbyterian, that, so I'm a Calvinist. So all things are all things. Oh, no, I love it. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> you yeah, heard it here, folks. Anointed by God. Bob Stinson just took it to another level. Hey, so. I'm talking about before the foundations of the world, this was planned. <laughs> I so. think if I were Nick Aldis, I'd, I'd freaking run with that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. But uh, as far as burying, who am I? I'm going to bury myself this week because the more I watch Eli Drake, he, he surprises me every week, man. It's like I go in with a bad attitude after that first episode. And, uh, and then he surprises me. And then I have to be, uh, have to kind of like, you know, take, take a, again, take my mass fan feel and, and be, be self-reflective and be self-critical. Like, uh, give, give the guy a break. You know, he's, he's got his platform and he's not going to, he's not going to be you. And he's, he doesn't know that I have Piper in here watching and he doesn't know my context. And, uh, but like, I was like this week and, and again, I, I've, I've got a lot of content to get to. I'm behind, but of what I've listened to, I was very, very pleased with the Eli Drake show. And, and, and uh, you know, if you would have asked me on week one after I saw that, like I was this close to signing off and not watching another episode. And each week he's gotten better. So uh, I'm burying myself, man. I need, to, I need to lighten up on Eli. Well, I would like to uh, take this opportunity to use my platform to bury Eli right now. I put him over enough early on, but uh, he's never going to please all of us. We, we talked about it uh, a lot earlier, so but this was always my intention to use this for my very segment. Not a fan of your statement about Tessa Blanchard being the best women's wrestler in the business. Just disagree. And I know that that is technically subjective, but bro, you got a platform. 
and you got Thunder Rosa, Allison K, Marty Bell. You got Ashley Vox. You got uh, who, who am I even missing? I don't know. Melina's over there. You got plenty of women. A women's division that I think. No, Jazz. You got all kinds of women, man. Yeah, absolutely. I think a women's division that legitimately rivals any other company's women's division right now. And if you can say anything about the NWA, it's that. I, I swear, I'm not even blowing smoke. It's not just being an NWA fan. I think the NWA women are some of the best women in wrestling. And so uh, I just believe that. And so it, it stings a little to hear Tessa Blanchard being mentioned as the when you have so many influential ladies god even if you wanted to go backstage with folks like karen tran who like does their graphics and their stuff like that uh sherry shaw who's like working on their music uh god i'm probably even missing somebody uh there the nwa has a lot of ladies kicking ass and so Melina, uh, man. Did you mention Melina? Yeah, uh, I mentioned her briefly, but yeah. Like, yeah she, I mean, Melina, my gosh, man. She is a freaking icon, you know? she's. You're telling me Tessa Blanchard is better than Melina? <laughs> uh, on the grown-ass woman uh, thing, I don't know if you guys saw Twitter. I think I posted it to you, but I was very proud to say. Uh, Mickey James, uh, SoCal Val, and uh, formerly Victoria, uh, she, you know, they – we're talking about who do you want us to have on the grown ass woman's podcast. And I said, I uh, would love to see you guys interact with any of the NWA women. And we got some love from Mickey James with like a cheers. And uh, so I think she, she's hearing us. So looking forward to that happening eventually. But anyway, Will, what you got for us, buddy? Well, <clears throat> it'll, this will be no shock if you uh, follow Hey, it's Will Daily. But I got to bury the Drake Maverick storyline in WWE. I just go watch the the live show that I did. I think it was uh, Thursday night, maybe or something. Um, and, and that was the topic of discussion. I just I won't go into detail, but it just rubs me the wrong way. Um, taking uh, you know the real life firing of actual wrestlers who put their bodies on the line to further the business and to further you know the wwe's name and brand for them to get treated that way and then for them to turn that into a storyline with drake maverick that just i will never be okay with that um and it just it made me kind of sick and it kind of soured the nxt brand for me which sucks because that was like the one thing in wwe that i was like still kind of interested in so i'm gonna bury everyone involved in that um, from the top down, even if Drake Maverick had a hand in that, like, you know, just be better, be better, be, ha- have, have more empathy to the world just because you're, you're a billionaire and you cannot relate to someone losing their job. Doesn't mean you can make light of it. Um, and so I'm going to bury that storyline. Um, yeah. And I'm going to continue to do that probably as long as it continues to make headlines, but I do want to bring up one thing that we didn't talk about. There was a Nick Aldis interview um, where he actually said, uh, I covered this in yesterday's show, where he said that apparently NWA has had the best net revenue um, in this past month than they've had as a business. So that's a, that's a positive. Um, and we don't know those exact numbers, but to hear the champ say it, you know, I trust it. Um, so that's encouraging that they've, you know, the NWA has uh, made really good use of some of these different, uh, avenues for revenues with merch and with uh, Patreon, with Carnyland, 
and stuff like that. So that was just something really encouraging that we totally forgot to mention that I think is worth noting. No, that's a, that's a really good point, man. That's, that's good to hear. Um, not to take away from that, but you mentioning that thing about uh, Drake Maverick, it really bummed me out because they've really been back on their BS again, haven't they? With that Jeff Hardy stuff too. What's up with those guys? It's, it's a cluster F man. I, you know, uh, like, like I say all the time on, on Hey It's Will Daily, I, I, I follow it simply because I love wrestling culture and you can't disconnect WWE from wrestling culture. doesn't mean I'm going to watch it. Um, but I do hope that they get better. I hope that they begin to uh, listen to the fans more, be a little more sensitive uh, when it comes to stuff like this and realize that you don't have to take these like low-level storylines just to get viewers you, you can i mean look at the nwa i mean this is it, it's kind of a, a big catalyst for me to keep, continue to put over the nwa it's like look at the nwa they don't have to do crap like that they don't have to uh you know um make light of real people's hurt uh to further a storyline or to get heat or anything or to build a baby face like you know there's ways around that and if you have an ounce of creativity in the wrestling business, which WWE should have the highest amount of creativity at the level that they're at and the money that they have, the, to take that that low ball route and take the low road and, and do that kind of stuff to me is it, it's it's despicable. So, well, I could not have said it better or worse than that. That is, uh, <laughs> you could have said you could have said it worse. I, I definitely could have said it worse. I just meant like, as far as like making you feel worse about it, <laughs> like just, wow, you guys are garbage. Uh, anyway, so what else, what else do we got before we wrap up this week's episode of this is the NWA weekly? Oh, I did. I did have one other thing. If nobody else had something before. Uh, you will, you put out earlier today as, we were recording uh, right before we were recording about you were looking for fan topics for discussion and our friend Roscoe, uh, he uh, came in, he's from Australia and he's always very vocal about what he likes in wrestling and very opinionated. Love that guy, Roscoe. Uh, Roscoe mentioned he would be interested in hearing a discussion briefly about uh, Eddie Kingston and uh, his his inside the NWA episode with Homicide, he mentioned that he would be going, like he would want an NWA title shot. I saw this, and he said he would be interested in the, the pros and cons of Eddie Kingston with a legitimate title shot against Nick Aldis, what we could see. I'm, I'm curious what you guys uh, came up with for that. Go ahead, Will. Okay, well, I, I think, I think a, a legitimate, a legitimate title shot. Absolutely. I mean, if the question is, uh, do I see it? Do I see Eddie Kingston as a legitimate world title contender? Absolutely, man. I mean, that dude, on his promos alone, but but also his ring work. I mean, he's definitely deserving of that. I think if they make sense of it with with a credible storyline, I think if they come back. And suddenly, just because of that comment inside the NWA, suddenly he wants a title shot on TV. I don't think that makes sense. And I don't think Eddie Kingston would do that because he understands wrestling fundamentals and you got to build a storyline. You don't just walk in and say you want the title. Obviously, every guy in the company wants the title. 
Uh, and I think that was the point he was getting at uh, on inside the NWA. And so if he's going to have a candid conversation about it, he's going to, he's going to put the title over like that. And he's going to talk that way. I don't think even he thinks that he should just stroll back in when power starts back up and suddenly be number one contender. I think uh, one day that would be awesome. I think he would be an, an incredible uh, contender and, you know, maybe even go over at some point and hold the title. But um, so if that's the question, yeah, but I think, uh, you know, in it, Conversely to WWE, which we just mentioned, uh, NWA would handle it with class and with uh, creativity that made sense. And so just if that were to happen, I know it would be done right and it would be interesting and, and it would be awesome. So that, that's, that's kind of my take on it. This is one of those discussions that come up quite a bit among us. And it's one that I'm always kind of uncomfortable to have because like Nick alluded to it or Nick Aldis alluded to it the other day when he said, you know, he doesn't really like it when the fans start, you know, talking in the language of the, uh, of the workers and talking about people uh, getting over and getting heat and being pushed and that kind of thing. That's sort of their, their avenue and we're there to, you know, but, but, you know, let's be real uh, with the whole kayfabe is dead question, this kind of thing, you know, we, we know what's going on and we're, we are the consumers. So I just don't feel, I love Eddie Kingston. Everybody who knows me knows I love Eddie Kingston. I don't feel, he doesn't feel like a world champion to me. He doesn't need it. He, uh, it's almost like the world champion would, I like, I like Eddie Kingston being a loose cannon, man. And to me, the world champion is a state, you know, he's an office holder. He doesn't, uh, so I, and, and then, you know, I've always kind of felt like Eli Drake might fit into that, but he's kind of a loose cannon too. Um, and I don't think that he, that all this has yet slipped into that feud. Really, honestly, right now, I don't see anybody in the promotion that's anything but a transitional champion. I think all this is going to be the champion for a long time. I don't know how long this particular reign will last. I hope it lasts long because I want to see history. But, you know, if you were to drop it in 100 days from now or 30 days from now, this is a situation where I feel like everybody else that we have that's going to come at him is, is transitional. It's to, it's to move the story along. But Nick Aldis, is the, he is the man that's carrying the company. He's the face. He's the statesman. He's going to have the belt either for a really long time or for a bunch of times. You know what I mean? Um, I don't – you know, it's kind of like Ronnie Garvin. Ronnie Garvin, I, li I like Ronnie Garvin. I didn't feel – I never felt him as a champion. I didn't – just didn't feel right. There was no disrespect to the belt. It didn't – and he was certainly worthy – Obviously, Eddie Kingston is worthy of anything. I just he doesn't feel like a world champion to me in the in that vein. Um, guys out there on the landscape, really honestly, Josephus, man, I keep going back to Josephus as the foil, and, and it's weird right now because you don't, you're not, you know, you want the chase is something that's that's always been part of it. Like with Dusty Rhodes chasing Flair for the belt, the chase is part of the drama. And I don't know that that's possible right now with the fact that Josephus is kind of is more or less obscure and, and they're both kind of leaning heel, even though the NWA is not concerned about that so much, I don't think. Um, but I just don't see – that's a really good question, man. I, and because part of me – I love Eddie Kingston. And I think he would be uh, – he would have a great little run. Um, and obviously people would like to see it, but he doesn't strike me as, as someone who – who's an office holder. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense or not. Uh, it just doesn't feel right to me. Uh, I don't know. I, what you're I, saying, I can't man. think of anybody right now that – no, you're going to get me in trouble, bro. Don't, don't. <laughs> – 
Well, no, 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 I'm just saying, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I was curious because when he when he brought up the question, he was like the pros and cons. And I was legitimately sitting there like, I don't know what a con would be. Like, for me, Eddie Kingston, like, at least as far as a title shot, like, as being a part of a contender for the title, like, Eddie Kingston's going to bring legitimacy, seriousness, authenticity, like, it's going to be – I want that feud for the promos alone. Like, I just want to see them argue. But uh, I couldn't find a cod. But but you do bring up an interesting point about, like, if that guy – like, if you, you could picture him as the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. It would be interesting to see. Because uh, I, I think where you're going, like, I mean, even with a guy like Sting, he was not – world champion as much as you would think that he was world champion you know like he was he was there for a few months at a time you know but like and like a few right, times right. and so like he was not like some 16 time world heavyweight champion he was not long term like multi-year champion like he was never that guy and and he didn't need to be that guy and right. uh so that's an interesting concept like eddie keeps Dusty, Dusty won the belt three times in an era where lengthy title reigns were much more normal than they are now. But his reigns were a few months here and there. He held three. And I think, you know, less than a year all told. I, I could be wrong on that, but I think, I think I'm right. Uh, he, was a, he was good for chasing the title, you know. And he won it. It was a good payoff, man. It was a great feeling. Uh, but, you know, Ric Flair was the statesman, man. Ric Flair had to be the champion. And I just can't, I just can't picture long term. And someone certainly, Nick Aldis is not going to be on top forever. I know that and he's going to get older, and someone's going to come on the horizon. But I can't picture right now a scenario where Nick Aldis is not the main event guy. And uh, I just can't picture not anybody with James Storm, Eli Josephus, whatever, uh, Homicide Kingston. I can't see anybody accomplishing with that belt and elevating the brand like Aldis does. You know, this, uh, not to, to kind of change the subject, but if you guys have other thoughts, feel free. But uh, on the Work Shoot podcast, they asked me uh, towards the end, they were like, who do you see, like, do you see Marty Scroll and Nick Aldis picking back up? And if you do, like, who, what do you foresee the outcome of that being? And uh, it was actually, I hadn't even thought about it that much when they asked. Like, I, I, I don't know, like, it just, it caught me off guard for a minute because I was like, actually, this was my answer. I said, if you had asked me when it was leading up to the actual event to Crockett Cup 2020, uh, I might have given you Marty Skrull. Like, I might have said Marty Skrull's got some momentum going in. Do I want that to happen? No. But could I see it happening? Yes. And then I was like, but now if you ask me, especially getting through this, if they pick this back up, if this picks right back up where they left off and those two are still going to go at it, it just feels like, especially Rob, with what you've been doing uh, as far as the legacy of that NWA title and like keeping up with the days and, and that sort of thing, like it's just building and building and building this like snowball of like of legacy. And so like now I would be so anti that happening. I would be like, no, Marty Skrull should not win the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. That's not going to happen. And 
I don't know what has to happen to prevent it, but I will make sure it happens. But but where do you guys land on something like that? Uh, like in terms of of specifically with Skrull? Well, yeah. Like let's. Uh, I mean, we could we could talk about whatever. But I'm just curious how you would have uh, responded to that question. Like as far as like what do you what what did you see the outcome of Skrull and Aldis, and do you think that that's still the destination? Well, I don't have the luxury of of knowing it in context. So I, uh, different from you guys, you know, I was binging NWA Power after already being in quarantine and and things like that, knowing that things were paused, knowing that the Crockett Cup, you know, was postponed and and may may or may not happen. Um, so I was viewing it through a little bit of a different lens, but but I agree with with your assessment now that like I do not want that to happen i mean nick aldis is is my champion right now and uh i agree with both you and rob i don't see anyone right now on the horizon that i would feel comfortable you know seeing that that title transition to um, just because he has elevated it to such a level that i think it needs to stay there until someone uh, comes to the point and you know there's a whole other conversation here too about transitional champions and how we feel about those and you know, Dusty, as you mentioned, Rob was was a, largely a transitional champion, and you know, Sting was that way, as you mentioned, Gary, for a lot of a lot of those title reigns, and um, you know, but there's a whole conversation about what's the value there. Uh, are those important? Are they necessary? Or should it just always be this constant uh, building thing? Or do do we almost need like this kind of time to catch our breath before you know? Aldis gets the title again and starts another, uh, another you know very productive run with their you know the way that Flair and, and Harley Race and those guys would do. Um, so I mean, yeah, there's again there's a bigger conversation there, but I think specifically to your question, I, I don't want to see Skrull as the NWA. He he doesn't have that kind of clout with me in terms of NWA right now that I want to see him wearing that belt. Um. I mean, there's a couple of different threads running through my mind. Like, one is the day count. You know, if we're approaching June the 11th, we'll date, we, that'll be day 600 to score it. Those kinds of things weigh heavy on me. They're, they're really impressive. They, they, I mean, they move me, you know. There's like a sense of history. And so, you know, I don't know, like, from, from a, you know, what Lagana and William Patrick Corgan have going on right now, they certainly are aware that this is – this has now become a big deal uh, where this is the guy who's the longest reigning champion in the world of any promotion. And, and he's doing it at not the cheap way. He's doing it with class and with big wins. And I know we're in quarantine, so there's some days there. But again, we've talked about that. That's not unprecedented either. Um, once we read that, which, uh, and I don't know what the cut point, cutoff point is. Is it 750? Is it 1,000 days? Whatever. But it would not offend me to see you know, to see Nick Aldis do the nod to uh, to see Skrull get the belt, you know, and, and, and wear it shortly. But I guess what I, where I'm at is that ultimately Marty Skrull is not better than Nick Aldis. He's not a better wrestler. He's not a better performer. He's not he's smaller. He uh, He's not in WA. He's, uh, there's a lot of factors in it that suggest to me that this is not a guy who is going to be somebody that's going to be the, the, the established champion. However, this plays out, you know, I could see Skrull and Aldis having a, a series of matches, you know, eight, nine, ten matches, and at some point 
you know, Skrull getting the win and holding the belt for a month or here or there. But when it's all said and done, when the dust settles and this feud's over, you bet your bottom dollar Nick Aldis will be the world champion after that. And I don't see anybody on the horizon right now that can that can displace him from that position. Will there be a, a – we're – and it's not like I'm a huge Nick Aldis, Mark. I like Nick Aldis because of what he's done. Will there everybody, uh, ever be somebody that does displace him? Yes, that will happen. But that person is not around right now. And, and, and for the foreseeable future, Nick Aldis is the company. He, he is synonymous with, with, the, uh, with Sweet Charlotte. And, uh, you know, Squirrel might hold the belt for a month or two. I didn't see him winning it at Crockett Cup just because of the, uh, where we're at on the day count and all that and how big a deal that's become. Uh, but, you know, after, after we established some pretty cool benchmarks, you know, he might, he might, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. He's certainly talented enough. He's worthy of it. Uh, Skrull and, and all just respect each other. They're both great, great, great talents. Uh, no shade on Skrull. He could go anywhere and, 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 and win any title. Um, but he's not as good as Nick Aldis. I mean, bottom line, he's not good in any respect. He's not a better talker. He's not a better worker. He's not, um, uh, you know, his gimmick's not better. He's, he's just not – he doesn't carry that authority that Aldis carries. And so, um, you know, he could, he could win it. He could win it and hold it for a month or, you know, be a transitional champion if we're going to pick that up later. But when the dust settles, your champion, our champion is Nick Aldis, and he will be for a long, long time. So there you have it. Uh, just let the record show that Rob Stetson said that Marty Skrull is the man and Nick Aldis is a bitch. Uh, the <laughs> – Guys, I can't think of a better way that to is how the and Rob, that is how the mainstream media will take your words and they will just <laughs> <laughs> guys. I can't think of a better way to end this is the NWA Weekly than that speech by Doc Stinson right there. Uh, unless you guys have something to add, I just want to let people to know to make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already. If you're listening to this, we'd love to know who you think could potentially be the next NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Is there someone? Throw it down in the comments. We want to hear from you guys. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys watching it and keeping up with uh, uh, this is the NWA, and we promise to keep trying to push out content just like this. Make sure you tune in to us live on Tuesday nights. We're going to be available for you after whatever the NWA does this week. We'll be there. And uh, just let us know what you thought about this episode. Did we talk too much? Did we talk about too many hot issues? Do you like more or less of that? We need you to tell us what we're supposed to be. We're here for you. Anyway, I am at This Is Gary Horde. You guys want to tell people where they can find you on the interwebs? Yeah, I am at Hey It's Will with one L uh, on pretty much every social media platform except for TikTok, uh, which – trying to learn i don't know if you got any tiktok tips send them my way i i, I just I, at this point not to sound like the old guy i just don't get it but i understand that there's value there so um but yeah uh check me out um semi-daily uh, i'm shooting for for three to four times a week with uh hey it's will daily just to be a little more realistic make sure i'm giving you guys some good robust useful content um so check that out here on our youtube channel um yeah yeah um i, I am also not on tic tac or snack shack or what's the <laughs> other one uh, uh my uh, yeah you actually listen I, to this my, old I, might have a, I might have a myspace man i might uh you know the funny thing is like and, and again i know we're, we're signing off here but uh technology 
technology works the same part of the brain that language acquisition does. You know, children are born with a language acquisition device that cuts off at like 12 years old. And technology operates at that same point in the brain. And so us older folks, we might become very conversant and very good at it, very proficient, but we'll never be fluent at it. Like my, you know, Petra or Piper, they're, they're way better at technology than I am. You guys are younger than I am too. So, uh, so, you know, I'm not on the Tic Tacs. I'm not on a Snapchat and all that, but I am on the, the what's it called? The uh, Twitter, Twitter? At R. Stinson 4. Stop it. <laughs> at R. Stinson 4. You can also, if you just put in the pound sign, pound sign NWA fam, you can find our content in Twitter. Um, pound sign or hashtag, what are you calling it? Hash, hash, hash swag? Ha, no, ha, you're killing too me. Much. You're killing me. Too hashtag much. NWA fam. Um, Hash R. meant something Ford. else back in uh, Doc Stinson's day. <laughs> Not my day. <laughs> no, no. I, no. Don't put that evil on me here. Um, we're also uh, um, we we put our content on uh, at uh, the NWA Pod. We are uh, Stinson Vision and Piper's Notes and um, and uh, Table Talk, which is a show that I do with my youngest daughter, who you saw earlier, uh, um, Petra, and it's it's not a lot of wrestling related stuff but every now and then it makes its its way in there but anyway look us up like subscribe i think after this show this episode probably my twitter followers are going to go down to about 100 <laughs> and that's cool but uh it is what it is all right well we just want to thank you guys again for tuning in we are at the nwa pod on all of the social medias you can find us instagram twitter facebook YouTube, obviously, you're seeing us right now. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week for more talk about who knows what the hell we'll talk about. But we'll be here. Hope you guys will be too. See you later.